the Spinner's Lit Pinball Podcast. Tonight's episode, episode 48, GSPF Recap. Golden State Pinball Festival. Come on, man. Everybody knew about this. If you didn't know, you missed out. Okay, so it's episode 48. Again, I'm your host, Spencer. And with me tonight is a roundtable crew. We got Engineer Mark coming off a win. Hello. And we got uh, our co-host, Dan. Yo, yo, yo. And back with us from the roundtable since before the world went freaking nuts. Will. Hello, hello. It's good to have you back, man. Thank you very much. It's good to be back. Okay, guys, let's kick it right off. We're going to talk about, uh, we're just going to recap and review the Golden State Pinball Festival, which was a week ago. Um, it was uh, May 13th, 14th, and 15th in Lodi, California, the Lodi Great Festival Fairgrounds. And beautiful, sunny Lodi, California. And it was sunny. And uh, uh, we had a lot of fun, man. It was whew, it was a whirlwind, I got to tell you. Hey, hey, oh, no pun intended. Um, it started off um, actually at Camp Silver Ball. We arrived Thursday evening. And uh, it was, uh, there were already people there. And we got set up pretty quick. I want to give a huge shout out to Shizzy Nene, that's Shannon. And uh, Shannon, immediately, as soon as he saw us, came over, helped us get our tent set up. We would have been setting up for an hour and a half. He got us help, and, and I mean, he was in on it. And we were set up in a half an hour. So big thank you and shout out to Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Anybody else got anything about Camp Silverball that night, Thursday night? Who was there? I missed Thursday night, unfortunately, but I did make it for Friday, fortunately enough. The camping this year, I think, might have been some of the best ever. Uh, I know a lot of people in uh, 2019, when we had the last show, were starting to see the potential of, like, we can have games at the campsites. This year, we had guys who had, like, big, giant, inflatable uh, pyramids with games inside. And every night, people were making sure to have some sort of like gaming event. There was like a pin golf tournament, I think uh, at one of the uh, trailers, uh, we had the uh, the linked battle Metallica set up, the Tiltalicas uh, one night. There was even a, um, a, a one-off, you know, garage built uh, game, uh, Boys Night Out. And that's what uh, I was ended up playing Sunday night with the crew from Marco. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you were hanging out with a lot of the the out of town crews, the, the the setup crews, and stuff like that, making new friends, meeting new people. You know, um, it was it was a really good time. Um, you know, there, there's there's people that that actually showed up for the very first time and even volunteered their time. Um, you know, of course, they were already established in you know the pinball communities in their own areas. Uh, but yeah, I, I met some people from you know California, from Oregon. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that traveled from a lot of, you know, a lot further to come to the show. Um, and I, I heard there were a couple morons who came from Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. 2,400 miles round trip, man. And, and to, to, yeah. And then, yeah, four of, uh, four of us. Yeah. Yeah. Four that of is us. some travel beast mode, but there was never any shortage of fun to be had out at the campground. Like if you were, if you were a little burned out from the show or if the lines were a little too long, which really didn't seem to be a problem this year, like you could wander out to the campground, you know, take a walk and and meet some really cool people doing some really cool stuff. So 
I, I've experienced the, the the nightlife at the campgrounds for all all three of the Golden State Pinball uh, Festivals. Of course, I, I wasn't camping the first uh, two years, 2018, 2019, but I would stay out as late as I could before I had to go home. And I would say that it has gotten just more open to uh, strangers, to new people, you know, that are out there. Like if you're just walking past the camp, sometimes somebody's going to, uh, you know, offer you a beer. Hey, do you want to come in and play the pinball? Uh, you know, come check things out. Um, you know, they're, you know, people are just more and more welcoming to, you know, people that they don't even know, you know, but you're there. So your family, you know, you're, you're part of the, the community. Uh, and I mean, I, I would say that this show is, is, really just leaning more towards, uh, I mean, you know, the, the daytime show is great, but you know, this is so unique, uh, you know, at, at the show that we have in, uh, in I don't think there's another show that has anything like this. No. And what I've said all along since the formation of the golden state pinball festival, well, I was used to say, and I still do about Pentagogo and golden state too, is it's during the show itself. It's like, you know, an old R gang episode where, Hey, you know, we cleaned up the barn and we're putting on a show. Come on. It's a nickel, you know, whatever. Um, but that has that vibe, that that very grassroots down home welcome feel. And the campsite is literally makes it like the Woodstock of pinball. It's three days of peace, <laughs> love, and pinball. It I really love is. that description, Spencer. Oh, yes. It, 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 it yes. really is. It really is. And, and you know, I didn't come up with that. It was actually, if you remember the old Pinagogo, I have the poster in the hallway in the stairwell. Um, no, no. And I know uh, that Pinagogo, like we had campsites and we had like a swing in sixties theme and it was called Pinagogo. But I'm, I'm saying like in the most literal term that the, the, the camping is what makes it the festival. Yeah. 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 It really um, does. Because again, you know, you can go to the pinball show and you can play pinball until your fingers are falling off. But the most amazing thing that happens after is that when you're done, you can go out to the campground, kick it with some new people, find more games to play, take a load off, drink some beers, do whatever, stay up late, go to bed early, however you want to handle it. It really is the most unique thing, I think, at this point about the show. And it's something that, you know, I haven't been to a huge amount of shows, but it's something that makes our show really, really unique. And I think that if, if you're into that kind of like camping RVing, tenting, whatever lifestyle and pinball, I think that it's a real selling point of of this show. It's super, super fun. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And um, Rusty and I have had a thing going since the first Golden State where early in the mornings before the show and even after the show starts, we're over at the camp area. We're always over by the restrooms on the lawn there. And uh, we've got everything set up and we have coffee. Okay, and if you don't know, my last name is Klingon. Um, it's Celtic also with a C, but we have coffee with the Klingons and every year we make a new friend or two, usually somebody new camp. We did again this year, somebody camping over by us. Um, Will made a new friend too. And, uh, so we made new friends with uh, Andy and his son. Yeah. Andy was super cool. Super cool guy. And his son, whose name starts with a K. That's normally with. Casper with a K. Thank you. Let's see. But with, with a K, not with a C. And just the, the, the most delightful, loveliest people on the planet. And we saw old friends, which like they remember, oh, yeah, we met you two years ago and we had coffee. Come on over, have coffee. And, uh, and, and you know, the crew from the usual crew will come over and, you know, George came over from his camp and, and Shannon and some of the other guys, Rory and uh, um, um, 
um, you know, Eric Seifert and uh, the guys just came over and had coffee with us. And it was great. It was wonderful. So, and it's really a nice way to start the morning. You know, we have some coffee, we have donuts, we talk. And uh, it's a great thing. And it really is, like I said, it really is the Woodstock of Pinball, man, where we're just, it's it's tw- it's it's 24-7. It's nonstop. So, and that's what makes it a little bit different. And you just, you know, if you're hungry, eat. If you're tired, sleep. Go go to the pyramid, pray to the aliens, and play the uh, Ninja Turtles pinball, which resided inside the inflatable pyramid camping. Yeah, that, camping. Was, that was Juan's setup, right? That was Juan's setup. Yeah, yeah. yeah Juan, the inflatable. He, brought, he brought that. That was pretty badass. <laughs> I'm waiting that for a really Burning cool. Man next year. I really am. I'm, I'm I mean, waiting I for, don't uh, want to equate it with burning man because i know that burning oh, yeah, man is no. it's kind of it's kind of a thing i mean don't get me wrong we also have some friends who are involved in camp Silverball who are involved in burning man and i'm sure that you know it's a great thing for them but i think it's a wholesome fun just you know way to get out there and and you know live live the pinball lifestyle it is it oh, is yeah, I mean, said, like it yeah. wasn't even actually out of you know completely out of line uh you know for some of the younger uh, you know, teenagers, Mickey and I were out until mid until midnight, you know, on, on Friday night, um, you know, and he had a great time and, uh, you know, got to, you know, kind of experience, you know, a little bit of that, you know, but uh, of course, you know, he was tired. So I, I told him all the funnest stuff happens after midnight, but I'll have to learn, <laughs> have to learn that lesson later in life. There you go. Yeah, because I keep telling him nothing good happens after midnight. And Will's like, oh, really? Wait to see this. Check this shit out. (laughs) Check this shit out, man. No, no, it's good because that's the other thing. And I tell people, it's like you can leave the kids there and they're safe. If they know you, if if they if any other adult knows you, they know your kids. Your kids can't get into trouble because, hey, wait a minute. You know what? Your dad, you know, your dad and mom don't want you doing that, right? Exactly. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, no, your kids are safer there. They're they're safer there than they are a lot of other places. Well, and, so. and there also just wasn't anything inappropriate happening where you know a thirteen-year-old, um, you know, shouldn't have been in that situation either. So yeah, it's so funny. You know, one of the guys, you, one, we, exactly. And we were talking. I forget who I was talking to. We're like, oh, and they were having the. Well, you were over there when they were doing the Metallica uh, Saturday night. They moved the Metallicas bit, yeah. out. And it was like an all-nighter thing. It's like, because you came in, you came home at like 4 a.m. Yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Mickey came uh, home. Me too. I was out cold, right? I was out. And they're like, we didn't wake you up, dude. I'm like, what? Dude, I woke up like at 3 in the morning to go pee. I didn't hear a word. I didn't hear a peep, man. It was like, you know, it's like we were still up partying. I'm like, I didn't hear you. You know, you were good. And that's what it was. I mean, everybody was having a good time, but it's all, it's all, it's all adults. Okay. And these are adults who are doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, insurance agents, real estate. I mean, you know, pest control, um, you know, you, you know, electronics, phone salesmen, teachers. I have to, I found out one of the guys, I, I won't out him, but one of the guys, because I know there's a few of the guys that are their school teachers. And then one of the other guys I've known for years. And I just found out this last weekend, you teach fourth grade, no kidding. I had no idea. And I've known this guy for 15 years. And I just found that out. So, I mean, but I mean, the, my whole point is like, everybody's having a good time and cutting loose. But they're all adults and nobody's having the security people there love us because we are the easiest gig they get every year. Yeah. Ooh. And nobody ever gets out of hand. Um, Never. The thing, the thing I really like about it is, like you said, Spencer, it's a family reunion. That's what it is. Yeah, sure. Everybody hasn't people haven't seen people for three years. And it's like like not even two years past. It was just like back to exactly how it was. And it was just a neat experience to 
say hi to everybody and hang out. And uh, yeah, Metallica, the Tiltalica is what I like to call it. Thanks to Dan coming up with that name. Um, that was awesome. Feel, by the way, like I came up with that name, but as well, we kind of came up with it together. credit for it. I'm going yeah. to accept it. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. We, we kind of brainstormed and then uh, Dan came up with a really good one. So we're definitely going to have a sign for it next year and uh, uh, definitely promote it even more. But we'll talk about that later in the show. But it was really a, a fun time to uh, get to see everybody. I did not get to be there Thursday night. Uh, I got there on Saturday. So um, I didn't get to experience Friday at the campground, but I did play the pin golf. And that was a really fun experience to go to different places on the campsite to get through the course. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So thanks to uh, GeneX for getting that together and and having that organized for us to go out there and, and trust us to go out and play games that are just sitting right outside of a camper. It's pretty cool. And everybody's welcome. Everybody's saying, hey, come on over here, hang out here. And I did get to play boys night out. And that was a really fun experience talking to the person who actually put it together and uh, learn the rules and stuff like that. As part of the golf objective, we also had a chance to really learn how to play the game. So it was really a neat experience. Yeah. And that's what's taking, I think the campsite thing to the next level. It's that people are bringing games and they're planning events. It's not just yeah. a game sitting at a campsite. It's like there's actual like reasons to go around, play people's games and, you know, special, special attractions. I I got out there and played a few of the games. I didn't go through the golf course or anything, which I really kind of wish I did, but I was super busy for the whole show. And then uh, I did get to check out the, uh, the, the tent with the TMNT in it, the pyramid. And I was just like, oh, man, this is so crazy. Like, these guys are out of their minds. You know, I think so next awesome. year, um, if we could get a suggestion to the person that organizes it, it'd be really cool to actually have a map, um, you know, whether it's online or just, you know, one-off, you know, printed up a poster or something like that. But, you know, um, I, and I know it's going to be kind of a last-minute thing because it's not going to be decided until Thursday night or Friday night, but like something yeah. – something where we know where the machines are you know yeah it was an adventure trying to find the machines when i was with doug we were like <laughs> that's like where's the one where's like, that's that what makes you have to yeah. do it yeah i mean don't get me wrong i agree with will like having a map would be great but as and i'm sure some people are assigned sites early and somebody could probably come up with something but yeah it probably would be uh i mean even if it's just a map of the campgrounds and then just you know uh um, Dude. you know, a dot where, you know, it, the, you know, the, the, the site, you know, area or whatever, you know, where, where the machines are. I got it. Here's what we do. At the end of every game, there's a clue. <laughs> and it's not, oh, just, yeah. it's not just pin golf. It's the pin golf treasure hunt. Look, I just threw that idea out in the world. If, if Gene, uh, if Gene X is a listener or if anyone knows him and they wants to give it to him, like, Boom. That is that is the next level of, Great of idea. campsite pin golf. Pin, campsite pin golf treasure hunt. I love it. I love that idea. Let's do it. I'll even donate some cool swag for that. Did you play the uh the soccer one? The that was a Capcom one, right? Was it Flipper Football or what was it called? The head to head one? No, not the head to head. The one that was in under the tent. Well, that was Mark's. That is Capcom Flipper Football. Yeah, yeah the, the, with the weird shaped head. That was super fun to play. That's like, a great I, game. I never knew about that. It that was like is Whoa. an amazing game. It really, really 
underrated fun game. Yeah, like you can hit the uh, you have to hit the targets fast enough to get past it to get into the goal. I I did not know that was the objective. That, it that's was really a perfect fun. bar. That's a perfect bar game. You know what's you, funny yeah. about no. flipper football too is like you couldn't give those things away. Like no, nobody no. wanted them. Everybody hated that game. And I've always thought like if you like soccer and you like pinball, it's a fun game. Yeah, it is really a fun game. Yeah, it was fun, uh, Mark, teaching me how to play it. That was awesome. That game's really good. Yeah, that was Mark um, Fireball 2 that brought that. That is an amazingly fun game. And then another one, uh, another soccer game, um, Huntsman. Mr. Mike Huntsman owns it now. Used to be Adam. Uh, Adam's game was uh, as a Steve game. Striker, striker, oh, yeah, striker, 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 striker system A. That yeah. is an amazing system A game. It's a lot of fun. Um, soccer is a good thing that works well for pinball. I realize we're kind of sidetracking, but I wanted to throw those out there so the listeners, if you've never played one and you can find one, play a couple of games on it, man, because you 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 might find something you really dig. Anyway, and they can be had for not stupid expensive. Just um, so you know, Spencer, when you sidetrack, we just call it Spencering. <laughs> Dude, I'm just censoring, man. I'm just like, oh, here he goes. Now we're going to have a 45 minute conversation about soccer theme games. No, we'll, no, we'll do that for another episode. But uh, <laughs> let's let's talk about the show proper, or do we want to talk about uh, the barbecue event? Because I think the barbecue for a lot of us is kind of the center of the campground experience. Staple. Yeah, Sparky's Barbecue happened this year because of a few good people, and we need to mention a few of those good people. Um, and you're going to help me out with this, Dan, because I'm going to screw this up. So, yeah, Sparky um, couldn't uh, attend this year, uh, breaking, I think, a 14-year streak of him hosting a, a big barbecue originally just for the Sacramento Pinball Group, and now it's open to pretty much anybody. That's an amazing streak. Yep. Here's the Sparky. So because yeah. Sparky couldn't yeah. make it this year, a couple of our other guys picked up the ball and ran with it. It was still uh, hosted by JJ from Game Exchange of Colorado, and yep. the primary uh, the primary organizer, I believe, was George Gonzalez from the CCPL League. George, and, uh, and if you're Mike in Sacramento Garcia. and you need to buy a house or sell a house, please call George. If George have, Gonzalez. If, yeah, if you if you need George's information, you're in Northern California. Get with one of us. We'll hook you up. Uh, Mike Garcia, who's another member of, of the Folsom and Lodi Leagues, uh, he was instrumental. Thank you, Mike. Uh, our man Spencer, as always, was instrumental. And uh, George's uh, wife and daughter came out to help. Uh, I saw Hector's wife, Zhao, was she say, was helping. That's, um, I, couldn't, I can't remember Hector's wife's name. She's just such a lovely lady. I'm a terrible human. I'm sorry. They are awesome. The most awesome people. Shout out to them. Shout out to them. No, Hector and his lovely wife were huge, brought a bunch of food, jumped in, helped out. And it was so good to see him because I hadn't seen him since before, you know, the world went crazy. And um, and they look great and they're doing well. And it's just so happy that they're doing well. Adrian's getting ready to graduate uh, college, their son, Adrian, who if you've ever had to play in league against Adrian, he's a monster. I mean, that dude that, is a beast. That, that young man can play some pinball. I'll tell you what. He's, <laughs> Not a, a, he's just, rock band. I'm telling you, man, I, that's what I've heard. And he's just a delightful young gentleman. And we wish him all the best success in the world. Um, so, yeah, man. And then, so they, they all made it happen. They really did. Especially JJ and George. And uh, I mean, all the people we mentioned, that, that 
Sparky's Barbecue would not have happened this year if it weren't for all of them and all the other wonderful people who donated, you know, uh, Jeff and Courtney, um, who brought, you know, food and drinks. And uh, I mean, I, I'm going to miss somebody if I do. I apologize. But I don't think we brought, can name everybody who brought food can, or utensils but, or what. Yeah. But I mean, it is a potluck style thing. So I think pretty much everybody brought something. But even if you didn't, you weren't turned away. It was funny, too, because I had people, you know, that we knew. And they were walking by and they were just like, oh, the barbecue, I didn't get an invite. And it's like, there's no invite. We got a ton of food. Grab a plate, sit down, eat, hang out with us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there were know. several people that I talked to and, and invited them over and they were like, oh, that's not, you know, I'm not, I, I don't know those people and I don't feel comfortable. And it's like, no, they believe me, I felt the same way when uh, I had the chance to go to the Sparky's barbecue my first time over at Pinagogo. And that's how I met everybody. That's how I met Spencer and I met Dan and, and everybody from there. Um, it was a great opportunity to get to know people. And from there on, it just became a tradition to make sure I didn't miss the barbecue because food was awesome. And I remember they had brats and in the past and they even had great hot dogs and, you know, and all the other food that people brought. And it was just a, a great opportunity to just hang out and chat and not have to go over the pinball noise that way you can't really have a conversation in that room, but having everybody just sit down at the picnic tables and just hang out. And I think that's the whole idea of the whole show anyway, but the Sparky's barbecue is kind of like the centerpiece of the show. During the barbecue, I recorded a video and took a lot of pictures and I sent them over to Sparky say, you know, <laughs> and I had, a, had everybody and, yelling and out. And he was Sparky. live, wasn't he? Wasn't he live or did you just do a video? No, that? I just shot some video and just texted oh, okay. it over to him. He wasn't okay. live, but it was like, you know, we love you, man. This one's for you. And that really made his day. So, awesome. and, uh, yeah. And he's so that was already really planning the next one. Like he has no intention of this becoming the former Sparky's barbecue. Yeah, so well, no, look, he will it, be was, back it was next year. Yeah, it was oh, family yeah. obligations, and family always comes first, and we're all good with that. So, but you know, we wanted to honor Sparky for all he's done, and and keep keep that going because that's and like you said, Dan, it all started out. You know, Sparky told me years ago. Told me the story was it all started out at Pinagogo because there was nothing to eat close by. And everybody's at the show and having a good time. So he thought, well, I'll pick up some hot dogs and brats, just get the gang together and say, hey, can you bring paper plates? Hey, can you bring some sodas? Hey, can you bring, you know, condiments, you know, ketchup and relish and onions and what have you? And and that's how, again, grassroots and organically started. Uh, my very first show, I knew no one, just a few people in Sacramento pinball group that I talked to briefly online, knew literally no one. And said, I'm coming to the show this year, just Saturday. And we drove from, you know, Paradise. And uh, and Sparky was like, you got to come to the barbecue, man. Bring your wife. I'm like, okay. So we brought something. I think we made barbecue beans and we met everybody. And and that's been that way ever since. Yeah, and the great rest, time. as they say, is history. Yep. Zoom. That well, it sure is. I'm sure I told you this before, but that's not really the right reason. The reason for the show being on Saturday was because at Pinagogo, it would be so crowded on Saturday afternoon, you really couldn't do anything anyway. So we decided to do a barbecue on Saturday afternoon so that we could be away from the show until the evening. 
And by the time it was time to go back into the show, we would be full of food and drunk. Margaritas from the Margaritaville. We had, yeah, John Robinson oh, yeah. Margaritaville one year. I have never been drunk or in public. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was that, uh, was that, that when Sparky was wearing a uh, grass skirt or something like that? Yeah, that, was, that was later. That was later. Yeah. Okay. Keep in mind, okay. again, we're talking about like a 15-year history. Yeah, this all used to actually barbecues. fit in one campsite. You know, <laughs> yeah, because it started yeah. off, it was just kind of SBG specific. We used to do an after party with Steve when the after party with Steve sort of, you know, wound down. It turned to, you know, we, we you know, repurposed into the, the Sparky's barbecue. Yeah. You know, so this is this is for a lot of us. It's the centerpiece of the show. And and now, again, we have JJ from Colorado getting involved. You know, he he generously uh you know, lets us lets us completely dominate his campsite for a whole day, <laughs> and uh, everybody brings food, everybody brings drinks. You know, a few a few special people do the cooking and do do the majority. You know, the Georges and and the Mikes and and the Zhao's and 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 uh, Shannon. Gosh, I forgot Mike's. I forgot not Mike's, but uh, George's wife's name. But his daughter's name is Mia. I should remember. Oh, his wife's name is Dana. So forgetting that, you know, makes me feel real dumb. Um, yeah, Dana, right? Yeah, they're mm-hmm. great folks, and uh, I'm really glad the barbecue lives on. Such an integral part of our NorCal festival. It's got such a rich history, and it started out like the whole festival and everything else. And I won't go into it now, but uh, I actually ran into a gentleman, and I'm dying because I'm forgetting his name. He has been to every show. We're sitting talking. We're eating together at the barbecue, and he had been to every single show since the very first one that was held on the lawn and at the house of uh uh was it jerry and uh jerry walton spud i'm and, not sure because that was even before our time you know before pentathon even yeah that we're talking like 1987 so but that was we, we talked and that was real neat but i want to flip back to the flipping friday kickoff dinner on friday night so that's yes that's how more was of a that? new tradition a golden state tradition it is. It is. I still have the picture from the last Pentagogo. I'm sorry, the second to last Pentagogo at Sparky's Barbecue with Steve Charland in the group photo. And then um, he passed away. Uh, it was five years ago this year in March. And uh, so the last Pentagogo before our group moved and made it into Golden State Pinball Festival and the older group that used to run. Pinagogo went back around Pinagogo. Anyway, back in 2017. And um, and they had a big thing to honor Steve. And so we need to do something more. So I talked with the guys on the board. I had an idea. And uh, um, and then I took it to Steve's wife, Kathy, and his daughters and said, I would like to do this with your blessing. And they, of course, gave their blessing. And we started the Steve Charlotte Spirit Award. So we give it out every year to, um, we try to give it to somebody who's local, Northern California area, if possible, um, who has that Steve Charlotte Spirit, you know, that gives to the community, whether they be, you know, volunteering, doing tournament work, um, you know, just being a good ambassador for pinball, like Steve was. And, um, the first one went to Cliffy. You know, y'all know who Cliffy is. And he was also very dear friends with Steve. So it was very special. And then the uh, second one, 2019, went to Chris Koontz. And yeah, he's an operator. Yeah, he sells games. Um, that guy, every Monday night for the last, gosh, 20 years probably, you'll find him at the Pacific Pinball Museum 
on his own time, on his own dime, keeping games maintained and fixed. You can call him. You can email him. He will walk you through repair tips. That guy does give a lot to the community. He gives a lot. He's donated games year after year to the raffle, the, to the shows. He's a good dude. He gives back. This year, the Golden State Pinball Festival presented at the Flippin' Friday kickoff dinner the third annual Steve Sean Spirit Award uh, to both Todd and Susie DeStefani. Susie goes by the Cookie Monster. That's her moniker. There wouldn't be a Sacramento pinball group without them. There wouldn't be a, a Sacramento area community. I, I mean, it probably still would have been, but it wouldn't be the same. I mean, they were really the glue that held the community together for some years before I came on and even after came on with their just their friendship and hospitality. And uh, so it was real wonderful. I got to present. I got the honor of hosting the dinner for the third time and presenting that. And uh, the dinner, um, if you don't know about it or you've heard about it, do not miss next year. Um, the dinner is actually prepared by the local Girl Scout troop and Andrea Songy Neff, who runs the troop, an amazing chef. This year's dinner was uh, hors d'oeuvres. I mean, it's five star. Like I walked into the building and to check, I check in with her about an hour and a half before we got started. And I walked into the dining room and I was like, I'm underdressed for this. I mean, it's, it's, it's an affair. It's an event. Oh yeah. The dinner was awesome this year. It was like fry tip and, and loaded potatoes and various, various vegetables and a pasta salad and bread. It was pretty darn good. That's for sure. You know, the, the astonishing thing I think about this event is, you know, a lot of folks think, okay, well, I'm going to a pinball festival it's going to be hot dogs, you know, it's going to be bratwurst. And yeah, we had those. And in fact, I don't know if anyone had the brats, but they were awesome. Uh, They're from that Lakewood Butcher and Lodi. But man, the uh, the dinner this year, they outdid themselves. And the level of, of presentation of the food and the service that they put on was amazing. And before that, like you're saying, we had hors d'oeuvres, we had wine and beer, we had soda. It was appropriate for all ages. Did everybody make it to the dinner? Uh, Mark, unfortunately, you didn't get to come, right? Because you didn't come till Saturday. That's correct. I did not make it uh, for the Friday night dinner. But Spencer and Will and I were all there. And yep. Spencer kind of, you know, he's the honcho of this. You know, he, he or at least of the presentation of the uh, of the Steve Charland Award. Um, but, you know, what, what did you think, Will? Um, you know, I, I was there for the 2018 dinner and I was there for this year's dinner. I, I skipped 2019 uh, for some reason. But uh, no, it, it's, it's always good food. And it's just another, you know, I mean, much like, let's say, you know, the barbecue, it, it's, uh, it's an opportunity to rub elbows with people, um, you know, meet people that you haven't, uh, you know, ever met before, see old friends, you know, for the first time, you know, for the weekend. Um, you know, it's it's always a good time, and you know the it's always for a good cause. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, there's there's some people, uh, you know, from from the group whose children, uh, whose daughters, you know, are, are actually there working the show, uh, you know, serving us food and you know serving the hors d'oeuvres and all that. So, you know, we're we're the group, uh, the community is involved, you know, from top to bottom with it all. Yeah, it's another one of those difference makers to the Lodi, uh, the Golden State Pinball Festival. It's just another one of those things that, like, I've been to a lot of pinball shows. I'm sure that they might do something like this, but I've only experienced it at our show, and I think that it's a real uh, 
a real differentiator between what we do here and, and what they do anywhere else. It's a lot of giving back to the community, a lot of philanthropy. And, and it's really good, you know, because you see the results of it year after year. Um, and you see the kids grow, you know, go off to college. And, and, it's, and, and you know, the, the money that they make at these shows helps a lot, you know, with, with you know, getting them to, to camps and to school. And, and so you're making a positive difference and, and celebrating, you know, wonderful people. Um, as, as Dan said, I, I hosted and, and, and kind of emceed the dinner and uh, the event. <clears throat> and uh, I had uh, different people speak. Really wanted to have Brian speak. Unfortunately, Brian couldn't be there due to work uh, obligations. But uh, we, had, uh, we had Dan come up and say a few words. He did really well. And uh, then we had... People, um, people do say I can talk. You, can, no, you did well, Dan. You did really I well. I had to because my speakers were not the best. <laughs> no, I was I was honored to be asked, and I was honored to be able to share some memories of of Todd and uh, and to wax poetic about what his and Susie's contributions have been to Northern California pinball. Yeah, and then we had Greg Ong came up and said a few words, and Greg's a longtime member of the Sacramento Pinball Group and the NorCal Group and Club, and and uh, a past member of the of the board of the Northern California Pinball Association, which puts on the show. And uh, and then we had Steve Faith, also uh, a current member of the the board, and Who had um, us all crying. Had us all crying, man. That was rough, and it was from the heart. It was beautiful, and he's, uh, you he's know, such an emotional dude. He he really is, and just a sweetheart of a human being. So, and had some wonderful stories to tell, and uh, um, it was a very emotional night. It was a couple of times where it was really rough for me to get through it, and um, like I said, that wasn't you know um, you know next next room over from my uh, from the studio where I'm at right now is um, my son Mickey's room, and he still has on his wall um, the little miniature giant baseball bat that Todd had given him. Oh gosh, barely a year ago, just before we moved. And he, boy, he, he cherishes that, you know, and the memories of, of going over to Todd and Susie's and playing pinball and playing with the dogs. Yeah, but that event is, you know, so, so wonderful. And just, it's, it's one of those things that if you do ever come to the show, if you haven't been to Golden State Pinball Festival before, uh, you know, I know you might look at it and go, oh man, you know, do I really want to spend this extra money? Just do it. It's worth it. It lasts longer than you think it's going to last. I think that we went, you know, a couple few hours, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna enjoy yourself. Usually goes about six to nine. So. Yeah, the first oh. hour is uh, the the hors d'oeuvres and uh, you know just kind of you know mingling around and stuff, talking, you know, having a few beers or glasses of wine or whatever, and then sit down at the second hour. You know, and then it's about two hours of food and, yeah. you know, and, and talking and, and, and somebody getting in, you know, the award that year, you know, Susie this year. Um, yeah, the presentation and then the yeah. eating and, you know, like I said, pretty much like an hour, an hour, an hour. And like I said, it goes by so fast. And then afterwards, you know, you can, we hung out outside and, you know, we talked for a while and just caught up and, you know, the show has already started. Like you can, you can start playing games on Friday afternoon. No problem. Um, but to me, and I think it's kind of speaks to the name, the, the Friday dinner is kind of where the event begins. Uh, it off. Right. And then, you know, Saturday morning, 
you know, once you get through the Friday dinner and, you know, you've laughed and you, you've cried and you're stuffed, you know, Saturday morning is like really when we start kicking off the events. Uh, I hear that we had an uh, awesome swap meet this year, Spencer. Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I mean, I always like to go over and see if there's anything groovy. There was a lot of complete semi-working and working games there for sale this year. In fact, uh, our man Cheddar, a uh, big shout out to Cheddar for all he does for the show and the community. He picked up a couple of old Gottliebs that semi-working, and uh, uh, he picked up a Raven and a uh, Hollywood Heat. Got a good deal on those. And then uh, Adam uh, Holder picked up a uh, uh, the old Williams EM um, Grand, Grand Prix. Is it? Yeah, with the double spinners. He picked up one of those. It was actually working. Um, they monkeyed with it in the back and in the, in the pin tech room for about 20 minutes. They got that thing up playing. I kind of snuck back there a minute. I'm like, what are you guys doing back here? I'm like, oh, we got to run it. It's like, and then they moved it over and put it in the main hall or the secondary hall and then quit working again. So, Did he buy that but, in the swap meet or was that the one that other Dan sold? The one that was supposed to be in the tournament and didn't make it. I think yeah, that, that was I think I, yeah I think that was that one but the other two games were definitely at the swap meet and okay, um, I know he sold that game to somebody I didn't, realize it, I didn't realize it was Adam I'm pretty sure it was Adam yeah because he was the one we were talking about it's all kind of a blur because all I not, did not was, Adam Pressler by the way but Adam not, Holder Adam Holder yes Adam yes. Holder yeah Adam Holder <laughs> not Adam Pressler but both both I did righteous. that to him every time that he walked by I, at the show I, at both righteous dudes and uh, no it was a good it was a good time so um, yeah and so uh, no it, it was. Uh, and there was a lot of, you know, nice artwork. Um, those you know, there are always all these little cool oddities that show up at the swamp meet. So you need to really get over there because you're looking for something unique, weird, rare. It's going to, it's, it's the weirdest stuff will pop up there. You know what I and, found uh, one year? I huh. found a Christmas story monopoly. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah, see? Unplayed. Yeah. Like all the baggies were unopened. Like it was just perfect unplayed condition. Ten bucks. Exactly. Nice. I sold at the swap meet, uh, 2018, 2019. I don't remember which year. And that was a lot of fun. I really wanted to take some stuff and sell this year, but I was just so busy with helping with the show and helping with the, uh, the tournament stream. I just really didn't have a chance to like break away and spend any time with the swap meet, but it's this great covered area that they have out there. And, you know, it's definitely. A flea market full of cool, nerdy stuff. Yes. Uh, I saw a little bit of it. I didn't get a chance because it was early in the morning, right? It's like right when the show opens. Yeah. Yeah. So I just like practically got there at that time. Yeah, um, I was just, I had so much else going, helping out, getting the barbecue set up. Yeah. Um, I had my daughter and son-in-law on the way coming as their first time coming to the show. And they really had a good time. Really had a good time. That's, That's great. Cool. Uh, yeah, we had a good time there. Yeah, that so, was the first time I met your daughter and son-in-law. I, I know, right? Yeah, and because you know they live up north and they just don't make the show, but they're like, we got to come do this again. I'm like, yeah, you know, because uh, they're they they fit right in because they're you know they're they're gaming nerds and they're anime nerds and all like that. My you know um um my son-in-law is a guitar maker by trade, you know, and it's it, they just fit right into the with the group, so it's really cool. Um. 
but yeah, so I just did a quick walk through the swap. I mean, I wanted to get back over there, but like everybody else. And then I couldn't go five feet without somebody wanting a selfie or uh, just a hug because it was, you know, like we talked about, man, it's been so long since we've had our show and everybody, no one has gotten through the last couple of years without some bumps and bruises. And everybody was just like, oh my God, I'm just so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're here. And I'm like, me too, man. It's just so great to see you, you know? So I it was, heard it was, that so many times. It, it, and it truly yeah. was, man. And people, you know, and so many times people, you know, oh my God, I listen. I, you know, I still look forward to the next episode. And, and, you know, I got it from a bunch of people. It's like, you guys don't change anything. Keep doing what you're doing because I do feel like I'm sitting there at the table with you and you're, you're passing over the pizza or the Doritos and opening up another cold drink. And we're just sitting around in your basement or your kitchen table is talking pinball. So, and that's, so that's and, awesome. And as Mickey's walking by from the, no, no, come here. You're here now. Just say hi. Hi. There you go. That's a hi from Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> he just ran through. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. He's up late. Um, so, so here's the deal. We've talked about, we've talked about camping. We've talked yeah. about barbecues. We've talked about swap meets. What was this show for again? Pinball. This show was for pinball. So we had we had three full rooms of machines on free play. There were over 200 games this year. And we had some of the hottest and the newest. Uh, we had Legends of Valhalla. Anybody get a bond of Valhalla? Not at the show, but only a few days later. I did get to play alert, that, that came home with a member of our league. Nice. Yeah. What, what do you think of Valhalla, Will? I, I love it, actually. Uh, great theme, fun to play. I think the artwork is, is great. The animation, you know, is great. I can't wait to, you know, stand in front of it some more and uh, see if I can finally put up a high score on Jeff's machine. There you go. Do you get any games on it, Spencer? Oh, I got a bunch. I got a couple on Jeff's machine. Well, I got a few. And I got a few more in the lineup because they have an entire lineup of uh they had a complete lineup of american pinballs right we had two right we had one that was by the weird owl yep and, and then, then we, we had, had one, the one that was in the american lineup that uh Which, don highly brought who's a local american distributor if you're in norcal and uh and you need an american pinball game look up don highly uh so don don's game services Don's game room service. I mean we'll find it something like that yeah so yeah so he was he was nice enough to bring an entire lineup you know, so everything from Houdini, which I had an amazingly good game on Houdini. Uh, I hadn't played that game in a while. Um, had a, 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 a Oktoberfest, had a Hot Wheels, and then a Legends of Valhalla. We had two of those. I love that game. And I'm telling you right now, man, um, I don't think people are giving American enough credit. They started out of the gate really rough. They stumbled out of the gate. They picked themselves up dusted themselves off, delivered a good, fun, working game in Houdini. And every game, they just keep getting better and better. Legends of Valhalla. And that's actually originally a Riot pinball. I forget the guy's name. I apologize. Yeah, I don't remember the Riot guy's name. But yeah, that's a Riot pinball production, a Riot pinball design. Yeah, they did it. They did um, 
It was Wrath, Battle of, Olympus. Wrath of Olympus. Wrath of Olympus, Greek mythology, which Rusty and I have said for years, hey, do Greek mythology. Somebody do and they did it. And they ended up, it was just it was just a a, a homebrew, really nicely done homebrew. And in fact, if I recall correctly, before it was actually a homebrew, it was actually a um, a computer uh, pinball game, um, a digital pinball game. And then they made a real version of it and refined it. And uh, they ended up making like six or eight of them. I mean, literally in their garage and sold to local collectors in their area who wanted one, who actually helped uh, build the games, if I'm told correctly. And then they did the same thing with Legends of Valhalla. American picked it up. It's an amazing game. It's got a Viking ship lock. It's got the Kraken. It's got all the good stuff. It's got, like, the hammer that comes down with a magnet. And it's uh, it, it shoots great. Okay. And, and, and you have to admit that Jeff Teolis – did an awesome job on voice work. He absolutely did. It, yeah. It's so good. He yeah. does such a great job playing Odin. Yeah, it's shout so out, good. shout out to, to Mr. Teolis on shout that. Shout out to Jeff. Jeff great Teolis, job yeah. on that. No, he really did. He's an amazing uh podcaster and, and uh pinball personality in his own right. That job that that game overall, um, don't count it out, man. And and they're well built. American pins are, I I'm telling you, I think American is gonna have a long, bright future in pinball because they're delivering Good, solid, quality built, fun games that are really enjoyable, and I and the shot layout is great. The shot layout are is awesome. great. Everything, everything on that game. I mean, yeah, the light show, everything. It's it, it's a great non licensed game. Yeah. Well, there you go, and it's a cool thing, man. It's Vikings, Norse mythology. What, what sort of production numbers are they putting up, um, like for these uh, uh, Legends of Hollows? I no don't idea. think anyone knows. Oh, no. There's probably less than 500 of them out there right now. Okay, so they're kind of along the lines of like spooky pinball. And- so, yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they've done Houdini. Uh, they did Oktoberfest. They've done Hot Wheels, which Mark owns. And I think Hot Wheels Still is one of the most game. popular topic ever, thanks to Mark. And, <laughs> uh, and now they're doing Valhalla. I got to admit, like, I walked up to Valhalla, like, only knowing what I'd seen online. And I, I kind of was believing the hype where it was like, it looked sort of amateur hour. The art, you know, in pictures, I don't think was done justice. Uh, you know, and of course, it's really hard to visualize how that game plays because when you look at the play field, it looks really simple. Like there's an orbit, there's a ramp in the center, there's a ramp off to the side, maybe like an orbit, or maybe like a little whoopsie-doo. And you're just like, oh man, what's this game going to be? And I played my first game or two, and I was like, I mean, it shoots okay. It shoots kind of smooth. And I didn't really play it more at the show, but like Will was saying, we got to play it after hours because one of our friends took it home. And I got to really get into that game. That is a cool freaking game, man. Like, it's got such, I mean, the sounds and everything are really well done. It's got such a cool layout and really, you know, the art and the presentation. I know people have been like dogging on the animations. I think that they look great. Uh, the, the music. They're stylistic. Huh? They're, they're cool. They're, they're a cool style. Yeah, that they came I think up that, with. well, because, you know, when I looked at Valhalla originally, I thought after Hot Wheels, it looked kind of amateur hour. Right. Like, because Hot Wheels has a very slick corporate like you know it's got like all the approved mattel assets and 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 stuff and then you see valhalla which is obviously done by you know a small studio and you're just sort of like oh is this really the best that they could do but when you actually have that game in front of you it's really well put together the art fits the theme 
The play field looks great. It's got all sorts of little like doodads and, you know, molded stuff on it. It's got magnets which throw the ball around. It's got a great like, like there's like two or three ways that you can feed the upper flipper. And then there's like two or three shots from the upper flipper to, you know, including the ship lock shot. Uh, when those end up being really super fun combos to hit. And uh, there's a lot of like little hidden like whoopsie doos that you don't expect. Like there's a total like lane underneath the upper flipper and then it goes into your uh, into your scoop and, and fires back out. The first time I hit that, I was like, I didn't even realize that was there. That was awesome. <laughs> so, right. Uh, right. That's cool. And then um, the spinner shot there's yeah, one the, mode yeah, one the mode where the shot. spinner is like is like the spinner you you get the spinner lit uh, hey oh um hey and you just keep ripping that goddamn spinner and it's like so it has that it has that that feel of the classic ballet or classic gottlieb or classic williams of the late 70s early early 80s and i'm like it was just one mode but i, I forget what mode it was and i'm like oh man and, and i just i got into loop where you loop it out of that little off center horseshoe and it drops back down into the flipper and then you pound it and just hammer home of that spinner and it's so satisfying, yeah, I'm so never satisfying. Gonna the modes for this game because it sounds like ikea on crack <laughs> oh, you'll end up with that machine uh, your, you know Jorgen Minder and you know uh, I forgot we were making a joke about like one of the things and the world snake and I'm just like wow I have no idea what's going on but that vampire lady seems super pissed and then there's like a whole thing where it's like <laughs> you can like you can like collect a hammer and then if you have the hammer and you start the mode you can hit the hammer and it's like hitting the big bang on uh on uh dialed in and you, you just win so yeah right. that game is that game is cool and i definitely want to want to spend some more time on it will i end up owning it i don't know it seems like i end up buying all of jeff's games eventually but yeah, I'm, I'm not planning to i got other games on the horizon what game do i have on the horizon weird al yakovic's museum of- weird al there Natural hilarity. That was so awesome when I walked in there. And, well, before oh, we move on to Al, though, Mark, did, did you did you get to wax poetic about Valhalla? Do you have anything to say about it? Well, I had a chance to play it in Chicago when I was in Chicago. Oh, you, have pre- you, have, you have previous knowledge, you cheater. I have previous knowledge, but the code was way <laughs> yeah. more solid. And you're held, you held out on us, man. Solid. You were holding yeah, on. Yeah, I held out on you because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I had a chance to play it. <laughs> yeah, I got to save something for myself. There you go. <laughs> no, I had a, uh, a chance to play it once over at Golden State. Uh, it was really fun. Uh, I like the shot layout, like I said. It, it isn't as easy as it looks to shoot up that center ramp. You no, really have to not. aim it right. You have to aim it right. And then the other thing that's a challenge is trying to start a mode. That left scoop is <laughs> is a little more challenging than typical scoops when you start a mode. So I really like that, but it's satisfying when you get it in there. Of course, trying to get that loop shot up into the Viking ship is awesome when you make it. I did not get multi-ball started. When I played it, I think I only played it two times at the show, but it was just a great experience. And like I said, the sound is very good. The mix is great. Of course, Jeff did a great job on the voiceover work. Um, And uh, along with the other characters too, not just Jeff, but uh, anyone who was involved in that, it was done really well for a non-licensed game. Yeah, the presentation's fantastic. Yeah, and it's solid. It's a solid game as far as build quality, which we already know about American Pinball. 
By the way, every one of our podcasts is Mark's like uh, interview with American Pinball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to say much more about it. He's, but, he's, uh, tell he's, you, it's he's a on great the map game. with American Pinball. I am totally. I mean, he's, 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 our, he's our inside man. He needs to get us some some employee discount so that I we can get wheels and there you go. Houdini's. Well, how about some swag at least? You know, some swag. Signage. Yeah. We're not shilling. We're not. No, I, 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 I couldn't. Hey, look, if you bribe me, I'll shill like a motherfucker. <laughs> Gary, multimorphic. I'm I'm easy like Sunday morning. But I mean, <laughs> why, why why would he pay me for what he's getting for free? Pretty much. Can we talk right. about Weird Al now? Can we talk about Weird Al? We have to talk about Weird Al. Yeah, so up next, uh, well, since we played it together and I played it some more later, and I think we all played it a bit. And Dan, you're buying one. Uh, let's talk about Weird Al. So, yeah, man, we finally got to put our hands on on a P3 with Weird Al. And I I can't even tell you how excited I am now that I've gotten to play it. Even better, my wife Jamie was there with us and she got to play it and she's excited about it. Um, the presentation of this game is, I mean, miles above any P3 so far, right? Uh, I think it looks a lot better than Heist, although I think Heist probably has one of the more uh, interesting uh, play fields that they've done so far. Um, the shots on Weird Al, there's so many shots on that little play field. And the cool thing is, with the way that the flippers on that game work, they actually start much lower on the play field than you expect. So where the game's really back play field heavy, you still have to kind of think about halfway down the play field because of your side flippers. Um, the the hamster lock uh, is, is an awesome shot when you make it. It's definitely a tricky shot. The camera shot was deceptively difficult to hit. Uh, did anybody, I mean, did either of you guys find those shots to be easy? I'm 100% with you on the camera shot. That was a really hard shot to make. Um, I did make it a couple of times. Um, the hamster wheel shot, difficult, but when, when, you, when you got it dialed in, it was smooth and it felt good. Yeah, that I think is the most satisfying shot to make on the game. Uh, because it's it's the most dramatic. And then it's got like a whole series of diverters. So like you'll hit the same shot and the ball will go to a completely different place. Uh, the little mini hit play field with the, with the little flipper up there. Like, you know, you get up there and you just, you know, it's the same shot. And I, you know, didn't play it enough to really know situationally what was going to happen. But, you know, when you're, when you're making the shots, um, you know, there's a there's a lift ramp. It can turn an orbit into a ramp. Uh, and then once it goes up there, there's a diverter. So it'll either bring the ball back around or it'll put it on the upper play field. And then there's like a target you can hit. Um, you know, just it's super, super awesome. And in terms of the presentation, uh, graphically, I think it's hands down the best that the P3 game has done. And I think that, you know, we kind of talked about this before, but my big complaint about the P3 is that they always look like crappy cell phone games. Good point. Right. Right. You know, and I think that the the people who did the animation on Weird Al, and I'm not exactly sure uh, who actually did it. Um, I'll have to look that up. Uh, but the guy who did the animation on Weird Al, like it looks like, you know, one of Weird Al's, uh, like the videos that he puts on the internet, not necessarily the live action videos, but he does a lot of uh, animation music videos. And so it really stays on brand. 
Uh, there's an immense amount of, of narration and voice by Al. He comes out, introduces every mode. There's, you know, the song modes are, are a blast. They're super fun to play. I, uh, you know, we played early on. The place was still pretty quiet. The volume was up pretty loud. We had like a whole group of people singing along with Amish Paradise as we were playing it. I mean, oh, that's awesome. It was great. It was so fun. And I mean, just the fandom is this is, you know, for people who are Weird Al fans, I know Spencer and his family are. I am much, much to Will's dismay when we were young because he wanted to listen to, you know, Cypress Hill. And I'm like, yo, 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 my car, we're going to listen to some Weird Al. And he's like, I'm getting out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But the fandom, like, you know, we don't get a huge amount of of merchandise, uh, a huge amount of content. I mean, you know, obviously Weird Al's been a performer for, you know, 40 years. Uh, You know, there's books and there's videos and there's CDs and albums and stuff like that. But I mean, this is like an ultimate, you know, thing for a Weird Al fan to see, you know, a, a pinball machine, you know, with his real voice and his real music all built around his world. Uh, you know, it's it's just an astonishing, astonishing thing. And, you know, if you had told me, you know, 10 years ago that I'd be spending $13,000 on a pinball machine, I would have told you that you're out of your mind. If you had told me 10 years ago that it was going to be a Weird Al pinball machine, I'd be like, oh, well, maybe we have something to work with. And so uh, I think that, you know, now that I've gotten to play it, it wasn't all perfect. There's some flipper drama with, with the P3 platform that I'm led to believe can be adjusted in software. Weren't we, uh, weren't we just uh, asking about that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that, those t- upper flippers are challenging because the way they had it set up at the show. It's a separate flipper were, button. They were separate flipper buttons and I could never get to it. Yeah. It's not the way that my pinball brain works. Like I nope. kind of expected when I hit the button on the on the left, the three left buttons would fire. When I hit the buttons on the right, the three right the or the two right flippers would fire. I've heard that that can be adjusted in the software. That would be good. Um, but I have no way. That's of the only complaint. That. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the only complaint I heard about the game at all. Most everybody who played it that I talked to. Um, uh, like us or, you know, diehard Weird Al fans. Now, my daughter and son-in-law, unfortunately, didn't get to play the game. They have tickets to Weird Al's current tour, and they're diehard fans as well, and they're really still dying to the play the game. Ridiculously ill-advised, self, it's like the, the ill-advised, yeah. ridiculously self-indulgent vanity tour, too. That's I wonder, the one. I wonder the first one. Yeah. Yeah, but um, overall, man, I mean, uh, um, you didn't get into the modes yet. You want to talk about a couple of the modes that we talked about it earlier. And just like, oh, wow, really? You can do that? Well, I didn't. So, you know, and as much as I hate to admit this, I probably put four or five games on it. And I got into the song modes. And I, the way you get in the song modes is you hit the ticket booth. I figured that out. And so I did, I did like two or three different songs. And, you know, I didn't really pick up what the, the modes were. The coolest one that I saw was probably um, Word Crimes. Because word crimes kind of presents you with a quiz, and then you have to hit the right target to answer the question. And I thought that was pretty clever. 
And you know the secret, right, Dan? Um, I think that you might have mentioned that to me. Yep. So what was the secret? The answer is always C. (laughs) But the target's not always the same. Right. No, the target C is switched around. So it's very clever. So is it switched around just randomly, or is it like when you hit the flipper, it switches? How do we do we know how that works? It's randomly. Every time you make a shot, when you make the shot on the quiz and you get it right, then it switches switches around and randomly puts it in a different place. I don't know if it's truly random or if there's some method to the madness, but yeah, it is not in the same spot. It's so cool. And being a teacher, you know, it's fun Absolutely. to see a quiz on your screen. What a great way to utilize the big screen, right? right. And, there were like, and like, I, I really like yeah, there were Amish like, Paradise. Yeah, there were three or four multiballs, right? Like there was yeah. the hardware store multiball. There was the UHF multiball. There was the hamster multiball. I kind of started the hardware store one a couple times by accident where stuff's flying all over the screen. And okay, the I got yeah, that too. Cool. And I had no idea to this day. I had no idea what I did to get it. It's just like, oh, there's like a hammer on the screen is spinning. And there was, yeah. I'm so excited after having played it because it really seemed, you know, and I've been very, very careful not to over immerse myself in material because I wanted to experience it hands-on first that it feels like this game is going to have a ton of content that you can discover, that you can go out and find and figure out and experience the owlness. So, yeah, I mean, I'm next March cannot come soon enough. Uh, oh, gosh, you, know, you got to wait that long. I know, oh. man, it sucks. I mean, at least at least I'm a couple months in, right? <laughs> maybe if, if you can't maybe, wait that long, come down to press start. We will have it at press start in October. So I've heard, get right, kits should be coming out towards the end of the year yes. and we have another local guy uh you know jason and tracy you know shout out to jason who he has an le on order as well and he should be getting his by the end of the year so i mean i'm sure i've gotten to spend some more time on it but yeah i'm gonna i'm going to be very careful to not spend too much time on it because i do want it to still be exciting and new when i get it which is what sucks about waiting for a year but Right. This is modern pinball, you know, they're complex machines made by small groups of people. And, you know, as much as I could, you know, complain about, oh, why did Jerry do this or why did that happen? I'm just going to chalk it up to, hey, you know, a bunch of us want it. Good things take time. It gives me lots of time to come up with the money. Uh, and uh, it is what Good it point. is. Yeah. And Amish Paradise, I loved how they integrated the animation on the big screen with the flippers, with the actual flippers. That was so cool how they had like the wheels turn. So it was like mechanical, Um, you know, obviously feeling like an Amish theme. Yeah. (laughs) It was so cool. Did you see that? The detail is is so good. It's so deep. Like if you look at the walls of the of the play field, like there's little portraits and the little portraits are all a reference to some sort of owl thing. Like one of the things about the Weird Al fandom and, and Weird Al himself is there's a lot of hidden references to his previous work. And yes. so if you know where to look and you're you're a fan, you know, if you're not a fan, it isn't going to offend you. It'll probably just go right by. But I mean, the game is just, you know, even for the songs that aren't there, the albums that aren't represented, there's probably some sort of reference to it in that game. 
Do I recall? I could be wrong because we, we've talked about this a lot. I think I could swear I saw some reference somewhere, something fly by to Mr. Frump and his iron lung. Was I oh, wrong? Sure. On that? Mr. Frump and his iron lung from That's the first, from the first record. Right it, it is, it is. It's from the first record. And, uh, yeah. So Rusty played cause you and I played together Friday, Dan, and then, um, Rusty and I got on it Sunday and, and, and Mickey, we got a few games on it and, uh, I'm in really trouble now cause Rusty's like, I don't want this. But then again, she also wants a Mandalorian <laughs> and she liked Rush a lot. Yeah, man. Wow. It just, the first time I saw, I think I saw Dan get the hamster lock first and i was like just like okay the ball's rolling inside how'd they do that yeah like exactly. how the fuck how did they, did they do, do that? that and then i got it and i was just like and then it releases and then it releases yeah and that? i'm like i'm like that's literally the coolest thing i've ever seen in pinball you know because it's like like it's like the hamster running on a hamster wheel but it's the i ball. was hoping the balls were gonna keep rolling on the hamster wheel yeah, I and I, then they get a release for yeah, Mac miraculously. How is that possible? I don't know. I, they just, I mean, there's wow. like a piece of plastic. plastic, it like blocks the ball, right? But then does it like lat, does it like lock on and then it allows the ball to fall down? I think it just sort of like rolls for a couple seconds and then pops out. Well, Dan, you got to look at underneath the play field, right? Or on the video, I saw did. a picture online of okay. Well, okay, so I did see him working on it, but I mean, I didn't like get to like really dig in, yeah, um, because when they brought it in, they were doing some work on the pop ups because there's new pop ups, there's like a new pop up system on there, and uh. You know, the machine got played a lot and it wasn't up the entire time, uh, but it was up the majority of the time. And I think it was probably I mean, I don't think I'd be exaggerating where I would say it's probably was the single most played machine at the show. No, I think that would be a fair assessment. And then right and, behind it, probably Bahala. Yeah, yeah so. I kept going back to Weird Al. I was just going to say it's it's easy for people who are not familiar with pinball to know what to do in the rules. Yeah, I, I just, mean, Weird Al tells you right there. And then it's like, shoot this shot. And you just know exactly what to do. I just really think it's the next step in the evolution of the platform. You know, you had your, you had your, your, you know, your early games, you know, then you had uh, Heist, which really upped the complexity of the mini play field. I think Al is taking the mini play field to another level, but it's really, really upping their presentation the cabinet, the cabinet art, the software. I mean, I think that it's the one that's really going to take this game, take this platform uh, to legitimacy, provided they can, you know, get them built and get them out there. And it'd be great to see a few more on location because there's so many Weird Al fans that probably don't even know he has a pinball machine. And you you walk into your local pizza place where and go, oh my God, there's a Weird Al pinball machine. And it's like, it's so drastically different. But then it like, like Mark said, and you said too, you know, it's like, oh, oh, this is what I do. I shoot that thing there. And then can you imagine somebody who's not like one of us, a hardcore, and they see the ball go into the hamster wheel and they go, oh, holy crap. And, or the whole wall lifts up and you have to shoot these viruses to... Oh yeah, get, that was cool too. Yeah. Like it used just the lower part of the play field, and you could hit it, and you had like a little mode, but you were like kind of trapped in the lower part of the play field and uh, trying to hit these. I guess they were like viruses that were weird owl heads or something like that. And then you what song had to was get that so for? Many. I forget. Hmm. It's for germs, right? Germs. Yeah, 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 yeah. The germs. And yeah. Germs is kind of a nine-inch nails takeoff. Right. Right. Yeah, that's it. 
Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. See, I don't know his later work as well as I know his earlier stuff. That was like bad hair day. So was you know, I, I had bad hair day. Didn't I? Bad hair day. Yeah. That was one, no. one of the most popular albums. I, do, I, do, I never owned the last. I think the last record I had of his was uh, was the one with the uh, Saga Begins. What Running with Scissors, right? I was Running with Scissors. Yeah, Running with Scissors, the last one yeah. I actually actually because I I had all everything up to that point I think, but all good stuff, man. And that's just you know really nice assessment, and and it just. It shot well. It played well. And like you were saying earlier, Dan, the lower play field is not – there's some a lot of fun stuff to do down there too. It's not just the upper play field. Right. Yeah, where everybody looks at P3 and they go, oh, my gosh, it's super back heavy. You know, there is stuff to do on the lower play field. Some of it's virtual, but, like, you know, again, you have those flippers down there and those flippers, the way that they line up, it launches shots to the top. We're now has a crossover ramp. It just, it presents well. It plays super well. It was a pleasure to get my hands on it. And again, I got a, I got a long nine, 10 months ahead. <laughs> and you got to keep Metallica now too. You can't get rid of Metallica. Uh, right. At least if I get rid of Metallica, I know that Shannon will buy it in a minute. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Now you as well go to Shannon's he, house. He to play just made Metallica. it easier for me. No, Metallica's, yep. Metallica's on, on the, the hard to sell list already just because Metallica kicked so much ass. That's a great um, game. You know, Metallica, you know, my, my music pins line up, which I swore I wasn't getting, you know, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Weird Al, Iron Maiden. You there know. you go. <laughs> who's, who's next? I need an Aerosmith. Who's got an Aerosmith? Sell to me cheap. I actually played the Aerosmith there. Oh, and Dolly Parton. My daughter and I played that. That good game. It played good. It was so kitsch. I played like five games in a row because that, it's always in a tournament. I, I, that was fun. I love that game. It's so Speaking kitsch. Speaking of music, fans, yeah. did anyone play, play Rush? Hell yes, we did. <laughs> the, both, the, both the premium and the pro again. And uh, um, I really like the premium. I mean, I like the pro. You know, like, like, I don't feel like you're missing anything with the pro, you know? Like, like it, it's, it's a complete game, but the premium was nice too. Um, I, and because it was so noisy, you know, you couldn't really hear it. Like when you and I played the pro, but boy, I sure do like that game. It's just, it, it, in fact, I told the Stern crew, please, you know, tell, um, you know, Mr. Borg, thank you for designing Rush. I feel like Rush is, is Stern's sleeper. Like, I think that it's probably doing better than anyone expected it to do. Uh, I think that the band is more popular than, I mean, I think that, I don't know if anyone else has uh, listened to that Gomez interview on uh, Super Awesome, but I think that they didn't think Rush was as big as Rush is. And I think that they're being surprised, but I, you know, personally for me, you know, I think we talked about this when we did our, our first impression. I'm not a big Rush fan, but it turns out that, you know, I knew a lot more Rush songs than I thought that I did. <laughs> and I think the game shoots like magic. Like, I think it's the best shooting Stern yet. My wife, uh, who actually made it to the show, she really enjoyed it as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, no, it was great seeing Jamie at the show. That was really cool. No, I remember you talking about that going, you know, I, I, I know some of the songs and I like the band. Okay. I'm not a major, major fan. But then after you and I played it for quite a bit, you're like, damn, man, this game's really good. And really, you called it that it, that I, they underestimated, I think by quite a bit, how well that game was going to do. It was, it was great of Marco. They brought like what, three or four different rushes. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. And they had them yeah. all set up in like a like a triangular configuration, and it was really great to have those uh, those newer games come. They brought uh, they brought basically all the newest Sterns. We had Rushes, we had Avengers, we had Godzilla. Rush was busy all show. I bet I bet they got some sales. Yeah, that whole area uh, by the Marco booth was just hopping with people. And uh, what was really nice is Mike Vinicor flies out all the way to California to support the show as well. And he did a great job talking with people, answering their questions and everything. In fact, I didn't get to see him the whole time, but um, right at the end, I was like, oh, I got to say hi to you before or say hi to him before the show was over. And he's like, hey, I think I got a free T-shirt I can get you. Let me go look in the back. And he like gave me the one that had the uh, Stern Insider with the QR code on it. Oh, that so he's he's a really cool guy. Um, it was really nice. So if you are listening, Mike, thanks a lot for coming to the show and supporting Gold State Pinball Festival. Um, as he understands, and as well as all of us, uh, it is a great show. And it's a sleeper show, in my opinion, because it's not talked much. In fact, we're probably the only podcast that's talking about it, but it's just a, it's a great experience. And uh, it's great to see somebody from Stern come all the way out here to support us. Yeah. And Stern had a whole team, but Mike Vinicor, he had a contest. He like find something. I don't, I don't know what the contest was. They do it a lot. Um, it's a different shows. And of course, Mickey, if the contest, he can win free stuff. He's all in. So he got a signed Stranger Things Translite from Mike Minicore, which is really cool. And I went over and, you know, talked to Mike and said, I don't know if you remember me, you were at the dinner a couple of years ago. And yeah, yeah, we talked. It was nice. He gave me a t-shirt as well. So it's still in the plastic. I haven't even unwrapped. I unpacked it, but um, that was really nice. He just, and uh, he gave me his card. So I told him I'd send him a link to the show. So he'll get a link to the show and hear a shout out. But yeah, he's a just a, a true um you know, gentleman and uh, ambassador for the sport and the hobby of pinball. Really great that he could come out. And and the whole Stern team that, you know, had, you know, stickers and flyers and all kinds of cool stuff. It was really great to have them there. Um, yeah, we uh, uh, they also had Mandalorians. They had a nice setup in the oh, Mandalorians. Oh, that's right. They had Mando. Yeah, which Rusty had not played. We went to the Denver show and they had it for whatever reason she didn't play. So she played a few games on that. Um, I had played it enough. I didn't play it at the show, but they had the cardboard cutouts of the Mandalorian on each side of the games, which looked really cool. They they dressed that up real nice. They did a really nice job. So that is the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marco's presentation, their whole booth, and the people who were working there, like they did a great job, better than I've seen them do any other year. Like there were people who were actually actively walking around, you know answering questions, making sales pitches. Um, I mean, I thought it was, it was actually fantastic. Uh, one of the young ladies, gosh, I forgot her name. Um, Jamie and I were playing a game and she comes up and she's trying to sell. I think it was, it was Avengers. It was Avengers infinity quest. She was trying to sell it to Robbie, like right in the middle of our game. Like we're test driving a car and they, you know, <laughs> the person's describing the features. And so I started messing with her. And she just was such a good sport about it. I'm just like, oh, he's he's not going to buy this. You're wasting your time. No, wait, he's going to buy two. He's going to buy one for me as well. Uh, and, you know, it was it was fun. And, you know, they did a really, really good job of, you know, fulfilling their mission there, which I'm sure they probably sold some games. In fact, uh, I swore somebody bought a game, but I forgot who. So 
Oh, you know, they did. Well, you know, the pirate was in on that too. They kind of worked in conjunction with, with Marco and with the pinball pirate. Cause he's also a stern distributor. So, right. um, yeah, I didn't see Chris. Um, I just did Sunday and I mean, it was toward the end of the show. And then, uh, and he was only there just, I don't, maybe a half hour. I don't know. Not very long. Um, but his crew was there. His team was there. In fact, I talked to a couple of them about maybe coming on the podcast down the road. And they were kind of like, because they love the show. They they always listen. And they're like, eh, you know, my voice. I'm like, look, people listen to me. Okay. They'll listen to you. You'll be fine. It's just us sitting around talking about pinball. It'll be great. So yeah, I know this is a bit of a deviation, Spencer. Yeah. But uh, did anybody else get a shot at Rudy's Nightmare? Thank you for bringing that up. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Thank you so much. I don't know how I I missed. I, I've had so much going on in between because, you know, it was literally a 21-hour drive to get home. Um, um, it, it literally took us a whole day to get home. We actually, we actually stopped and parked in a rest area, but I'm segueing. Yes. Thank you, Dan, for bringing that up. I did get a couple of games on it. Mickey did. Rusty and I got a couple together. Um, it changed my opinion of it. I'll tell you that. At first I was just, I couldn't get past the art and the voice, you know, from the stream. Um, but having played it, um, it's, they did a really nice job on it. I'm coming around on the voice. I can get used to it because it's fun to play and fun to shoot the artwork. I'm still not a huge fan, but I can get past it because it's really fun to shoot. The more you play that, the more you, the voice doesn't annoy you anymore. I know <laughs> that was the first thing I heard when I, I was like, Oh man, this doesn't sound like Rudy, but it's like, okay, I'm going to accept the fact it's not that type of Rudy that we had from the nineties. This is a new Rudy and accept it. And it just kind of went away. It was like, okay, I'm not comparing anymore. I'm playing the game. And then like you said, Spencer, the rules are really fun to try to get different objectives and using that mirror to start the modes and how they utilize the steps feature to get into a multi-ball. It was a great way to do it. And we have one at press start. Um, I, I think, don't think that one was, was the one from press start because we had happened to have two. I think that was Rick's personal fun house. That was with the 2.0 kit. And it was, uh, it was, it's really fun to play. It, they do, they did a really good job on utilizing that same play field and making it feel like a total different experience. The tough part is remember to plunge that darn ball when it's multi-ball. Yeah. That's tough. Because yeah. You're used auto to an auto would oh, have really yeah. helped. But yeah. it would have also, you know, made the install much, much more complex. So William, uh, Mark and uh, Jim from Reno, they actually did like the install videos. Oh, okay. Like the official ones, right? That's correct. For, we did the official ones. For, to show people yes. how easy this kit is in to install. So he's got some some in-depth uh, experience. That's awesome. And, and I'll tell you what, man, I only played one game of it. Me too. Um, it was it was you know always always very busy. It definitely does a great job of making Funhouse into a new game. You know the old the old you know the old assets, but at the same time, it's it's an all new you know experience. And it just shows me that like there are so many games that if they can really you know if other people can look at what they did with this and and continue on with. Uh, with the work, you know, like it just, it unlocks so much potential 
in a game that, you know, maybe you'd played out. And for the price, I think the kit was 2500 It's worth it with all yeah, of Yeah, it's, it's fair with that new speaker panel and the display. The value seems amazing and just it really changes that game. You know, if you have a if you have a ratted out fun house, man, you throw a nice shop job on it, you install this kit, and it's gonna be like having a brand new machine for twenty five hundred. Now, I don't think we're gonna bring Brian around on it because he's kind of a fun house snob. And if you're listening, <laughs> hi Brian, how's it going? Um, but uh I I thought it was cool. Like if I had a fun house, I would buy one. Right. And they fixed the way that you could switch between classic and, and the newer version too, right? I don't Without know if they did. I know you can because I actually saw a couple guys playing the classic mode at press start last week. Uh, yes. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. I know that on Bride of Pinbot 2.0, it was a little weird. But, you know, well, I, press you, to, you just shut it off. And then when you turn it back on, you choose between um, the two games. So you have to power cycle it. Yeah. You can't like hot swap it. Yeah, it'd be great if you could just do like a double flipper hold or something for like some time and it brings up a menu. Back into the boot screen or whatever. Right. That that may be in the new code. I I can't remember. I didn't get to test it out. And we do have probably the latest code at at, uh, Press Start, but I always like to play Rudy's Nightmare version. Um, But sometimes Jim switches it to the classic version. That was the whole point of them starting with with Bride and Pinbot 2.0 was, you know, Bride and Pinbot is a really beautiful game. It's got a really neat layout. But it just doesn't have, you know, there's not a lot of depth to that game. And, and you know, like the the, uh, the scoring is not very well balanced. I think that was like, might have been part of the reason like, hey, you know, we could take this and we can make it, you know, we could really add something to it. And again, with Funhouse, and well, Funhouse has a much better code and like that. But still, the whole point is, you know, in that era, you, you only had the ability to put so much into the game and to add to it. It was really nice. Well, and there's potential to do it with, you know, just about every game that's out there, I would think, Um, you know, which just kind of makes, you know, makes it more fun. You know, you've got two games in one, uh, you know, the classic version that you, you know, loved the, you know, from the beginning and then, you know, something new. And Will, you're correct about that. Did anyone get to play No Good Gophers? I did. It was kind of wonky uh, and so I didn't really, uh, I didn't really jump onto it when I was standing next to it. Did you see any of the uh, the video display? Yeah, I mean, I saw it when it was on, but I didn't like pay much attention to it. Unfortunately, I'm already not a huge No Good Gophers fan. It's it's a quality game. I don't you know think that it's garbage or anything, but like I don't find myself rushing to play it. I think it's one of Lawler's kind of more awkward layouts, um, and I've never ever gotten that slam ramp thing to work correctly. <laughs> I've never hit like a shot off of it. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you're a no good Gophers enthusiast to add something, is that, I mean, that's obviously also a planetary project because it was at their booth. It is actually, uh, there's 15 that are in the works right now. 15 upgrades? 15 2.0 kits coming. Oh my wow. goodness. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I hope one of them is Black Knight 3000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely uh, some, there's, yeah, there's plenty coming. Coming, coming our way. I, I know it's probably early, and I, you know, but I just because, I, I, like Dan, I'm because I'm a Lawler fan. You know, I really, I, I really want to love No Good Gopers. It's okay, but I, you know, it's not like I don't think I've ever made the slam ramp work either on the regular game on the the digital one, like on Pinball Arcade or the Williams Arcade now. 
Um, I've got it to do that a few times, made the shots and, uh, but I don't think I ever had one the real one. But anyway, um, the, the video animation is just like, I'm looking up and it looked like, I'm like, is that a slot? And is it supposed to be a that, gopher? That was a, yeah. It that was, was like a placeholder animation. Okay, the way yeah. I it had to be because it would need a lot of work. Yeah. That's what I would think. It was probably like prototype stuff, right? I, I hope so. It had to be. Yeah, it needed because it, it was so. It, it reminded me of like you know when you watch those uh, those featurettes of movies and they show like the the rough animation. That's what it reminded yeah, me. Of. Same here. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, because I couldn't hear it at all, you know, and right. um, it wasn't turned up enough where I could hear. It. And I got a couple more games on uh, on Cactus King and Rusty had not played the new one, and uh, and we had a couple of fun games on that. That yeah, one make it so hot. It's so good. Well, you ruined it for me because you did so goddamn good at Reno on it. You killed that. You destroyed yeah, but I mean, that game. It's not every game has to be like brutal hard, and Cactus Canyon is definitely an accessible game. Like, there's no reason why I think anybody can't see High Noon. I got to say, you know, it's really showed me that those Chicago gaming guys have taken this remake thing and they've just got it at the ultimate level. And for what does what is, what is the special edition go for? 8000 bucks. Like for a thousand dollars more than a Stern Pro, you're you're getting you know a '90s era William, a lost a lost treasure, if you will. And you know if you're into Western games at all, like that game is smooth, and it does sound you know like you're still going to get the the enhanced the quote unquote Lyman code eventually. But yeah, I just you know I can't see how that game is not you know if you're a Valley Williams fan and you haven't gotten to spend a lot of time on Cactus Canyon and you do. Uh, you do owe it to yourself to find one and play it. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great game and one of those solid, well-built games too from Chicago Gaming Company. Yeah, no, and that, their work's really outstanding. And the other fact that it's getting those rare games that have become so expensive back out onto the street and not just in people's homes, but in in on location, which is so crucial. For the survival exactly. of pinball. Well, the person it wasn't just expensive, right? It was super rare. How many were there before they started remaking them? Eight, 800 s- something? Seven, yeah, 700 and some. Okay. And 700? Okay. it was the last regular production game at Williams before they moved on to Pinball 2000. So the software wasn't complete. Okay. Right. And so what they did was when they picked up the rights to do the remake, they completed the software. They they polish it up. They put new modes, new bosses, a whole new end game into it. They put like a, an interactive topper with like a shooting mode. It's super, super cool. And then the promise was that they were going to have uh, the guy who did the software for Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars and Monster Bash, Lyman Sheets. He went to work for that company and he and uh, is it Josh or Zach Sharp? Josh Sharp, right? Yeah, Josh, Josh, who doesn't yeah. work for Stern. Uh, <laughs> they were going to do an enhanced rule set, like a whole new set of rules, like the like the Funhouse 2.0, right. like Cactus Canyon 2.0. Uh, unfortunately, he's passed on since then. Oh. And so that project was kind of up in the air. So there's supposed to be an entire new rule set for that game. And, you know, I was listening to some of the interviews last week, some of the other podcasts, and apparently that's still coming. So... If you are a Cactus Canyon owner, you have something to look forward to. Yeah. I have a feeling it's going to be beyond just a software update. I mean, the rumors that are going around that there's going to be some kind of kit 
I heard something about this, like there were saloon doors that were like removed from production. I heard That's something about that too. That's a rumor, yeah. That that could be part of a of a kit beyond just the software. Um, but I have a feeling that if they're going to justify the cost, it would make sense to have some kind of hardware component to go with the software. But we'll see. Yeah, if they're going to charge big money for it, which they obviously if they're going to charge a lot of money, right? Then people are not going to be so upset about it. But then again, it could be awesome code. We just we do not know, and I don't think they want to release it until it's practically finished they should have included it with the topper that's how stern yeah. does it right <laughs> we'll have to see the we'll, topper's we'll, pretty cool though the topper's great yeah and the shootout never gets old because it's not constantly throughout the game you have to really earn it and for some darn reason i can never there is no pattern it's like it's random every time it's like i, I can't figure out how to get more than three enemies <laughs> I, I always just blank out i'm like do i press the button now do i what, what do i do <laughs> I right right up, exactly i just end up missing everything and they say that you're supposed to hit both buttons at the same time to shoot but i've noticed that like when i go back and forth it just shoots them <laughs> when you just as long as you get that that uh light that there's like stars all the way across it and if you line it up with the enemy then it shoots them automatically. But maybe I'm just subconsciously hitting the two buttons at the same time as I'm going back and forth, left to right. I don't know. I know you need to control your plunge on that game because of how it chooses the the skill award when you do your skill shot. But has anybody else ever thought that it was weird that of all games, Cactus Canyon didn't have a gun handle shooter on it? <laughs> That's a good Up point. until the fact that you just mentioned it, I never even thought about it. But it makes like, that perfect been sense. So perfect. <laughs> I, I know it makes That's perfect so sense. That's so true. Anyone You're else right playing anything, uh, anything cool on the show floor? Um, yeah, thanks to you, man. Um, and it, it took me till Sunday and I was in a panic mode because I went in early Sunday morning, like 20 minutes before the show started, to, to do a quick video of all the games in all the rooms. And the Metallicas weren't there. And then they were moving them in. in. Like I walked outside the door and like, Are those are the Metallicas. I like, get yeah, we're moving them back in from last night's fun. I'm like, oh, okay. So I didn't get to play. Uh, the linked Metallica is one of them being Dan's. Those games got the paint played off them. Well, that's because it was one of the most unique things at the show. It was. So did, did we discuss this before? We talked about it briefly, briefly and mentioned it, but we didn't say what it is. We didn't say what it is. So so for any yeah, so for anybody who who hasn't who doesn't know about this. Uh, we had a couple folks, uh, Mark was one of them, and our friend Shannon, they went to Pinball Expo, and it wasn't actually at Expo, was it? But it was like a side event, the Pinball Olympics? It was a side event called the Pinball Olympics, and it, and um, he's known as Banger J on uh, Pinside, and he sets up all these different games in a really weird way to have as like an event, like an Olympics type thing, like you said where you have to do a certain thing, but he, he modifies the machine to make it practically unplayable as a regular experience when you're playing pinball. So one of those, of course, was when they had Metallica's linked together. And Dan, you can continue on what it's about. But basically, yeah, that was the kind of where the light bulb went off and said, we got to have this at Golden State. And that's where Shannon and Dan got together and said, I'll tell you what, I'll let you use my metallic and we'll try this out. So yeah, Shannon came home from that obsessed with linking Metallicas. 
And I mean, I'm not taking any credit at all other than being asked if I would let him borrow my game, which I said I would. Uh, Shannon was the one who basically did all the footwork. I know some other folks helped him out with wiring and whatnot, but you know, he took the games, he figured out how the system worked. He got him to the show. He set him up. I made a little rule sheet and we dropped those things on the floor where I don't think that anybody really understood what was going on. Uh, so you would be standing there and watching people play Metallica and then you would step up and hit the, the the target that caused them to tilt and they would just be like what the shit and you know if you were nice you would then explain to them oh these games are linked up you play them head to head it's like a battle mode and uh some of the guys in our group they wouldn't do that <laughs> they would just keep tilting people <laughs> and just having a good old time but i think it was fun messing with people oh it my gosh fun. man it was so twisted where it really got fun is is when everybody knew what was going on. They, and took, them set the, up, they took them to the campsite. Yeah, we we, we took, it, took it out to oh, uh, Camp Silverball. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there was groups of, you know, four players on each team, uh, you know, that were going head to head because, you know, they figured out that that was the way to have the most fun with it is, uh, you know, ha- having having it be you know, more than one person, you know, going head to head is, you know, teams. So... Um, I got to play it a couple of times. It was it was totally awesome. You know, just, highlight of the show for me. Just another highlight, highlight of of uh, so Silverball's uh, you know nightlife. Honestly, yeah, that was Saturday night. You guys did that. Um, at least just just the Saturday. Did they not have it out on Friday night? No, I think that they okay. So it was just it was just Saturday night. Okay, and yeah, only Saturday night. I, all and, I heard yeah. was that that was the highlight of like so many people came up to me. And we're like, hey, you know, thanks for bringing your Metallica. That was that was the most fun I've ever had playing pinball. And you know, and again, I was just like, hey, you know, thanks, Shannon. All I did was, you know, let him let him slot my game out here and well, let you guys beat the snot out of it. You said Shannon bought a Metallica to make this happen, right? So yeah, Shannon literally bought a he Metallica did. Pro because he wanted this to happen. And and you know, the funny thing is, and I hope I'm not you know throwing him under the bus here. After the show, you know, we I had broken the games down. I was getting my game, you know, put away to to get sent home. And he was so upset. And I was like, what's going on? He's like, we really should have played one more game, you know, because we're not going to do this again. And I said, why not? You still have a Metallica. I still have a Metallica. You know, we don't live that far apart. Like, let's just plan on making this and as often as we want to do it thing. And, you know, it, it's going to come back uh, and we'll figure out better signage and how to make it better than ever. And, uh, you know, but, you know, yeah, every, all the credit for that goes to Shannon. That was his, you know, he saw it, you know, like, and Banger Jay, you know, who who inve- who obviously, I mean, I, I would assume he invented the game. But, yeah, Shannon was the guy who, like, he had the drive. Like, it's something that I always thought, oh, that'd be cool. We should do this. Yeah, Shannon's a, a, a hardcore, you know, bust ass like kind of guy. He went out there and made it happen. And what a great way to have so many people play at once. And the rounds went pretty fast. Oh, yeah. But having that four-player game where as soon as you got tilted out, you had to be the next person ready to go in line. And uh, it was great because you could look at the scoreboard and you could see, oh, my gosh, somebody's on their second ball. We're on our first. We're just on a roll. And then all of a sudden, like three tilts in a row, and we're like tied. There was one where we tilted at the same time. That was epic. So we basically shot the shot, 
and it went right at the same time and we both were out. <laughs> so we had to get out of line and, and have the next person go. And it was neat because we played it like king of the court. If you're familiar with that with tennis where you win and then all of a sudden uh, you play the winners. It was kind of like that where you were king of the pinball, king of the Metallica. And uh, you were Kill basically Metallica. playing. Yeah, king of the Metallica. <laughs> Tiltallica, like uh, Dan, Dan said, or what we all came like up with I together. I apparently named it. Yeah, you did, because you texted to me and you said, how about this? And I said, oh, I yeah, thought I said like Matiltica or something stupid like that. But all no, I know is I like, again, everyone stuff. gave me credit for coming up with something and I'll accept well, credit. We're giving you credit. And, Tiltallica, uh, it is. I just called it like Metallica head to head or something. I think we yeah. did the flyer. How about Kill yeah, Tiltfest? Right. Tilt yeah, it was awesome. And, and it was great as we started about. I think, I think right in general, you don't want to mark it with Kill. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was it was neat because uh there were two things going on there was the there was a stall ball going on and there was a tiltalica going on and it was kind of neat because people went back and forth the only problem is there were more people at the tiltalica area because it was just people were just so into it and it was addictive because you're like oh man wait wait can we get four people all right all right yeah yeah okay i want to be on there uh, so it was just really fun to, uh, to hang out with people. And I don't think anybody got pissed off at each other, but man, it was a competitive atmosphere, but everybody was just having a great time. And it went, I think it went until four in the morning. I had to leave. Oh, Saturday night. Uh, yeah. I went till four in the morning. Did it go to four? Yeah, and we finally covered up the machines and turned them off because oh, my everybody gosh. was just, yeah. you know, Falling asleep, standing up. I was like, I got to go. I got to get some sleep. But it was like 3.30 when I left. And honestly, I wanted to stay longer until we were kicked out because <laughs> it was so much fun. It was great. Yeah, it, it was It was probably 8.40, 8.45 when they were rolling them back into the building Sunday morning. Oh, really? Yeah, because that's when I was at. Like, I started over in the EM wow. room to video, you know, to do a quick video walk people through all the games. Cause I, you know, I, I, you know, I had so much going on like everybody else, man. And, um, you know, I, I was living off, you know, like sugar and caffeine the whole weekend. Um, cause I had, you know, obligations plus, you know, I had my family there, you know, my daughter and son-in-law and then wanting to see everybody and do as much. So there was very little rest. So, um, but anyway, you know, but no, it was like, so I was just trying to get in there and go, okay, so let me get a video of all the games so people can see what's here. And then, of course, inadvertently, um, I can't remember who, I, Rusty came up and goes, you didn't videotape uh, Joust. I'm like, shit. <laughs> so, yeah, because I just, because <laughs> I, I, I was just, I know, I know, you know, but I mean, I figured, okay, hey, there was a Joust there again. And it worked pretty flawlessly through the whole weekend, and it got a lot of great play, and people really enjoyed having that yet another rare game there. So yeah, I know um, they stayed out late. Cause I, when I came in Sunday morning, uh, for, for the, the, uh, to get set up for the tournament stream, they weren't back inside yet. And I was like, are they not bringing them back in? And then, yeah, eventually, you know, somebody was rolling them in and I was like, okay, good. <laughs> and, and, and it was great. Now, Dan, parking did, lot all day. Did you play Dan? In that or not? No, I didn't do what the night. tournament or in in Tiltalica. No, in the Tiltalica. No, I like I said eleven o'clock. Man, I turned into a pumpkin. Okay. So gotcha. I headed home. Uh, we had we had a bit of a disaster. That we had a we had a key break and lock, and I just you know had to be the rescue guy and pick up dinner and all that. So like yeah, I just you know eleven o'clock. I you know slap people some high fives and uh, 
you know, headed to the Danmobile and, and ran home. And I just, you know, I knew it was going to go off without a hitch. I played it on the floor. And I mean, I played all the setup, you know, when we came up with it, we played at Shannon's house. So yes, I, I missed the mania. Unfortunately, I really should have arranged a place to sleep. But unlike some of you hardcore commandos, if I slept on the ground in Lodi, I probably wouldn't be getting up the next day. <laughs> I'm that medic. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah. sleeping out under the stars really wasn't that bad. Actually, it was it was good. I bet. <laughs> you know, if I had a bed to sleep out under the stars on, I'd be into it. But th- that would be hilarious. Um, Rusty, uh, one of her friends from Sacramento area, became we met her boyfriend and, her, and she has a severely autistic son, which um, we got him going on pinball and we couldn't get him off. Godzilla for like an hour and a half. He had a really good time. So that was really awesome. But we took him over and explained the Metallica and there were several groups in front of us. We had to wait for a few minutes and they were doing the same thing with, with two, four player groups. And then they would just, when they tilt out, they would rotate. So that kept going throughout the rest of the weekend of the show. Nice. So people started understanding what to do after that. Yeah. Probably probably people that got either gone to the event at the camp or had heard about it. But so that was really a huge success. So kudos to all you guys involved. I'm really hoping that this happens uh, again and again, Um, whether it's just with the Metallica or Tiltallica or, um, you know, some other machines that people have figured out, you know, uh, to, to do this with. But it's it's very unique. Um, you know, this it, it seems like it is the beginnings of something that will get big. And especially if we insist on carrying on the tradition every year. Um, and yeah. I don't see it getting old. No, no. I just no, it's, it's not going to get old anytime fun. soon. It's too much fun. So I got to play in, in a group. Um, in fact, you know, I, I, I didn't even really completely understand the rules, you know, yet. I knew it was, you know, it was it was basically explained to me and, and you know, and I just jumped right in. And uh, when when my turn, you know, when it was my turn, I stepped up and I ended up um, tilting out the other team, you know, like twice within 10 or 15 seconds, which was a yeah, that's super right. that's satisfying right. you, experience. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just like nailed him twice, you know, but the, the second guy walked up, he, he hit the flipper buttons once or twice and then boom, I just tilted him out again. You know, it was like fatality. <laughs> so any, any other, any other game high points? I know that a lot of folks really enjoyed that Alvin G head to head soccer. No, that I was going to go to that next as uh, the Alvin G soccer, another rare one that that's the first time. Um, in any show that I've seen and had the opportunity to play one, some similarities to joust, um, a lot of differences, a really unique and fun game, which had a lot of people on it all weekend. Um, I think they've made a football version of it too. I'm not sure. I know they didn't make a lot of them. I think they made maybe around a hundred of them. So it was another really rare game you don't see very often. And, um, and whoever brought that, thank you for bringing it because it was, it was really neat. It was fun to see families playing it, you know, dads and moms and kids. Um, and just people just enjoying it. Um, I got a couple of games on it because I never, you know, any anything like that, whether it's a new game or old, it was something I'm really fond of or something I've never, ever seen in real life and played. I try to make it a point to get a game or two on it just to have, you know, we can talk about it on the show. We can talk about we're hanging out and just to add it to my repertoire of, oh, yeah, I played a couple of games of that. That thing's really neat. I like to play it again. Um, I'm going to jump on to this was a real treat for me and Rusty because um, when Steve Sharon was still with us, this was his game. Um, this has got a really neat story. It's going nuts. And not only was it Steve's game, but if you've ever played the game on the pinball arcade 
um, you know, like online on your phone, on a tablet, on a PS2, on a Wii, whatever version you played it on, they use Steve's game to digitize to put that out there for people to enjoy. And um, the thing about going nuts, it's a, it's a unique Gottlieb system 80. It never went into production. There's, I don't know, eight, nine, 10. I don't know the exact number. There's not many, many of them out there. I think um, Mike told me that that one was number nine. I think you were right. Cause Mike and I did talk briefly about it, but again, I was li- by that point, it was like, he was getting ready to pack up the game. We got a couple more games on it. And by that point I was living off adrenaline yeah. and, um, so um, short of playing a homebrew or a one-off, if you played that game, you've probably never touched a rarer pinball machine. You know, yeah, exactly. There are games that there are 100 of. There are games that there are 200 of, 600 of, 700 of. No big deal. Like, I think there's 10 going nuts that are all prototypes. And there's only that I know there's one at the um, Pinball Hall of Fame. Right. And then there's one here in Reno. Well, you can play Pinball Circus, which there's two of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but there's not many going nuts. And, no, yeah. there's not. Um, another neat thing that, and, and, and I talked to her briefly about this before the world went nuts, uh, uh, Steve's wife, Kathy Charland, and she had a ton of old plastics, old pinball plastics, you know, from all kinds of old Gottlieb and Bally and Williams kids, mostly Gottlieb's because that was Steve's jam, but he had other ones as well. Well, Mike went and picked up the game and purchased it from the Charland family um, and um, and was telling me, sharing with me, not only did he get an extra set of plastics with that, he got uh, an original uncut sheet of plastics for that game they're all on oh, one wow. sheet they're uncut yeah well, that's so, something cool to put up on the wall um yeah, well that's definitely, they can, that's definitely mike's jam right but they he can loves, also be he loves the unusual stuff yeah right? yeah but they can that's also cool. be scanned okay they can be scanned reproductions can then be made so the people that have that game can replace damaged or broken plastics so those games will be able to survive in better condition now thanks to mike and the charlotte family um i'm I'm wondering if that's really worth the trouble for a game that they made nine of (laughs) well yeah right it's not well you know with 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 the technology we have today you know 10 years ago it still would have been that's going to cost a fortune you really want to do this but with the technology they have today maybe not as bad i mean and i mean those those nine people that own that game would definitely like to have a backup set of plastics you know so i mean what will they be made i don't know but it's it's just a cool thing that mike you know brought that game down set it up and put it out there where people could experience it he's he's a he's a super stand-up dude i'm really glad that he made the show this year and i'm really glad that he brought his his uh Brought his baby because I know that he really likes it. I'm blown away. He got that ready because it wasn't it wasn't ready for showtime, and he must have worked day and night. That, dude, getting that, that dude's a machine. He is. Like he shot. He shot so faster good. than we play him. <laughs> yeah. He also brought a dragon fist, which I'd never played or seen one in real life before. So and that was a fun game. Uh, a classic Another fun start. game. Yeah. 
classic stern. So, you know, so yeah. we have those. Um, and I want to give a quick shout out to the Charlotte family. None of the Charlotte family was able to make the show this year uh, because Amber was getting married. Uh, one of Steve's two daughters, Amber, uh, was getting married. And then uh, his other daughter, Aubrey, um, and then his wife, Kathy, and, and then their their grandkids. Um, so shout out to all of them. And um, they plan on hopefully making the show again next year because it's Mike's um, wish and I'll let him tell you cause he wants to come on the show, but, uh, he's talking with some other collectors that have Steve Charlin games and they're hoping they can get a whole row of Charlin owned games for the next show. Yeah, he, he had mentioned that to me too. And luckily we have a lot in, in, in our group. So hopefully we can, we can make that happen. He had mentioned that. Yeah. And we, we briefly talked Friday, I think Friday and then Sunday, we talked a bit more when he was get a few more games and I'm breaking down cause I want to get home early. Um, and then, yeah, I totally understood that, but yeah, man, um, it's really cool. I'm glad you got to talk to him as well. So, um, that you got that information. So plus we're on the same page, which is nice. So we're um, feeling good about going nuts. Yeah, yeah I mean, most people know how it plays, right? It's timed where you start off with three multi-balls and then you have to hit targets to add time. And if you lose a ball, then you have to figure out a way to get multi-balls started again when you get to a single ball. And then the time starts going down and you have to try to build it up. It's really a fun gaming uh, gameplay experience. Um, and it's not easy to hit that, that left upper left captive ball. I still was not able to hit it. I played like three games of it. Um, I, it I hit really it once, fun, but fun I still had two ball multi-ball running when I hit it. So I got my third ball back. So yeah. Adam hit it, it with one ball. It'd be a great tournament game. I think it would be a good one. I think so it too. really is challenging. Yeah. Sounds like it'd be a good candidate for another one of these uh, remakes. Yeah, right. It, it does sound like that, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. That's why it never went into production because they said it was too expensive and too weird and too this and too that. So the meat and potatoes of it is your ball or balls are squirrels and the multiple drop targets on the game are, they have acorns right on them or acorns or nuts. And you got to try to collect nuts. When you have three balls, it's easy to collect nuts, get extra time. As you lose a ball, it's harder to collect nuts and harder to gain time. When you get down to one ball, it's really, really difficult and you run out of time and your ball's over. So yeah, man, it's really cool. Um, I think, I think Dan was segueing us very nicely. Thank you, Dan. Um, to the, well, crew. No, I was just going to say, I mean, I oh. didn't really get to play it very much. Okay. And you guys actually, you know, jumped right into the, jumped right into the gameplay. And, uh, so that was, yeah, that game was weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> We, we we first started out, and what it was is, is, is I, I talked to Steve many times, says, you got to come down to the house and play it. You know, it's like, eh, I brought it once. He brought it to the show the year before we came. He's like, man, just come out to the house. And we'd always meant to do it. It never happened. And um, um, because we had it on the pinball arcade on the Wii and uh, the, the Williams collection. No, I'm sorry. I, pardon me. The Gottlieb collection on the Wii. We'd had both of them. But and we would play that thing, and that became Rusty and my favorite game to play. And we would play, you know, two player on it all the time. And we never got to play a real one. And finally, at the show this year, we finally got to play the real one. And it was Steve's. And you know, well now it's it's uh, Mike's. Um, but you know, thank thank him for bringing that. And and yeah, and getting that thing played. And it, I never saw it go down the whole weekend. If it did, it played really well. It, it played and really Mike, well. Mike, hats off to you for 
an awesome job getting that to be playable. Cause I know when I talked to you, you said it won't be, he probably won't be able to get it ready for the show. And he delivered and he, he allowed everybody to play one of the rarest games um, in the pinball collection. So yeah. And I've played that one too on the iPad and that's the game that I hated the most. And I threw my iPad across the room. <laughs> get those darn wizard goals. I still can't get those wizard goals. So yeah, that's a hard game, man. It really is. But it's I like the real version better. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. The digital one had patterns where the balls drained instantly where that one did not. Right. So over if you got, I don't know if you guys went to the EM room at all. Spent any time there? I hung out. I took a walk through. All right. So I should have played more in there. I did not. I, I, I got actually Greg and I got a little time in there. I think it was Saturday night or Sunday. I don't remember. Dan talking about being tired and turning to a pumpkin eleven. Um, I thought it was about eleven Saturday night. And I'm talking with a group of some mutual friends, and they're looking at me like it's either you're really really tired or really really drunk or a lot of both. And I'm like, yeah, I got to go to bed now. It's been great seeing you guys. And I thought it was like 11, 1130. It was like 925. So I, yeah. And I, yeah, I know. At nine o'clock, man, I turned to a pumpkin. I mean, I'm up way past my bedtime now. Um, 839 o'clock is bedtime for me. Um, I'm becoming an old man. But anyway, uh, so they had a Crumb retheme, R. Crumb or Robert Crumb. And if you don't know who he is, he's an underground comic artist that was really popular in the Late 60s to mid 70s. If you've ever seen like the keep on trucking poster t-shirt, it was kind of iconic in the 1970s. That was his creation. And he created like uh, these comic book characters, the Snoid and Mr. Natural, um, underground, the counterculture, hippie, uh, drug use comics. Um, really an odd kind of guy, really, you know, a, a true artist is a bounce the views on drum but it was just i, I want to tell you it was a uh as a single player cotley wedgehead um jack's open i believe it was and but it just they did a really nice job on the artwork and um it was really cool um so that was neat and they had a four million bc they had uh, a couple through the zipper zipper flipper games they had some uh they had some cool unique stuff you don't see very often um they had like a buckaroo golly buckaroo um, they had the, the horse that, you know, in the back glass, it kicks the cowboy and, uh, and stuff like that. So they had some cool stuff in the EM room as well. So, but, um, I'm going to let you guys start talking about, because I wasn't so much involved. Rusty played in the women's tournament. Uh, she did. Okay. I think she took, uh, God, I don't remember. She did. Okay. Halfway through Dan, you were real involved with the tournament cause you did color commentary. So yes, I worked with, uh, Elk Grove pinball and Rick Demmel who is uh, one of our local guys. And I did commentary for a lot of segments of the tournament with a lot of other people too. And actually I learned how to run the stream and whatnot, which was really, really fun. Um, so, you know, great job to Rick. I mean, it's still streaming on uh, Twitch. I'm not streaming now, but I mean, it's a replayable on Twitch if you want to check it out. Uh, you know, there's, there's good moments and bad moments, but uh, for our first attempt at something of this scale, I felt really, really good about our uh, results. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, just picture it as a stream. Uh, 
except for, it was you know, done really well. You should have really, really, really brought the it, professionalism it and the very equipment. professional, very professional. I no, thought you did I, a great job. I've heard nothing but compliments, Dan, for you and Rick and everybody streaming. Yeah. And I like to show you can't edit that. When yeah, you're we out were live, and so yeah, when we messed up. We messed up. Um, you know, we had we had uh, some guests in there. You know, uh, including including one of our champions, who we'll talk about in a bit. Um, and I think that really, really excitingly, just in addition to just the fact that we streamed just a ton of the tournament. You know, we had four separate. Uh, we had four separate events, right? We had a targeted four match play, uh, men's and women's division. And then we had the main tournament A and the main tournament B. Right. And the match play, which you I think you mentioned as well. It was what three days of of tournaments and qualifying. Yes. Which was it's it's an astonishing amount of pinball. For honestly, what, what sounds insane is for all the work that happened at the rest of the show there was a group of people who who took the tournament on their back and made it happen. You know, the scorekeepers, um, the people who moved games and offered games for the tournament and, and worked really super hard to get those together, the people who moved the tournament-specific games in for the tournament, uh, our, our pinball commissioner, uh, the light of our pinball lives, uh, Michael Hozier, and... Uh, Damien and I always get his last name wrong. It's like Char- Charlotte. Um, Charlotte. I'm not even going to attempt to screw those it up guys, so bad. I think those he did guys fine. Were you know every moment that that tournament room was open, those guys were there and and running the show. So I mean, you know the the respect that those guys get for for bringing this tournament is is monstrous because it was a monumental undertaking. Well, it's a lot, a of, lot of commitment of, of your own time, you know, yes. at a show yes. to go and run the tournament like that. Yeah, a monumental undertaking. And, uh, you know, there were hundreds and hundreds of, of games played. There were, you know, hundreds of competitors, over 100 competitors. Uh, and, you know, I couldn't even, from where I was sitting off to the side, just sort of, you know, watching it happen, just I was amazed by the amount of work that these guys put in to make it happen. So, uh, and how they uh, how they made quick decisions that were difficult in that moment where they had to make that decision that was just split second timing. Okay, we you know we and they usually fixed the problem, but when there was something wrong, they immediately took the game out, replaced it with another one. That's not easy to do. Yeah, keeping the flow going with so many people trying to qualify, and even during the finals portion the playoffs and then we had them on camera yeah (laughs) they had to do it all under the scrutiny of the internet you know exactly so it was it was just you know they handled it with amazing grace and you know super good humor and they definitely uh they definitely did a bang up job of running the event i know it didn't go perfectly but i feel like you know everybody walked out you know satisfied i mean you know not everybody won uh, so I know that there were definitely some, some hurt feelings, but, you know, I think that everybody had a lot of respect for the amount of work that those guys put into making the event happen. Yeah. And there were some big flippers there. We're talking Carl D'Angelo. We're talking Andre Masenkoff. I mean, these are some top players that were playing in this tournament and it was a stern 
pro circuit event, which was awesome that we were recognized to be part of that, that circuit. So yeah, it was really nice to, to be a part of a real competitive tournament, but very great sportsmanship and, and people tried their hardest to get into the finals and the games were set really tough. Maybe we're talking, a little too tough. <laughs> we're talking a little, maybe a little too tough. Uh, great examples. There were some games that not only had the posts moved all the way as you could go, but they also completely removed the posts. We're not talking the, the metal ones. We're talking about the ones that are the plastic ones with the rubbers on them. Oh. They were completely removed. I talked to players who like certain games, they were like, nope, I'm not even going to bother. It's exactly. just too brutal. Uh, yes. You know, about stuff like Iron Man. Like those games oh, gosh. so yeah. nasty. Well, uh, um, Iron Man's kind of brutal on its own without help, you know? Yeah, you could put, ex- <laughs> you could put extra posts on Iron Man and it would still be an ass kicker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've brutal. ever had a game on there more than five minutes. I mean, you know. Yeah. But uh, the games played great, though. They were very difficult, but they were all level. They all had the right pitch. But those out lanes were just nasty. I know that Michael (laughs) Hozier is very, very meticulous about having games properly set up for you know, tournament play. So, you know, again, shout out to him and Damien and all the other people. I, I, I you know, uh, Michael's wife, Edie, was there. I know every time I cruised in there to check in on you guys, bring people water, check, you know, see how Rusty was doing in the women's tournament, anything like that. Oh, that's I right. Was, Rusty, Rusty played in the women's tournament. Yeah, yeah, because she played in the first one in 2019. She, she took, fourth. took fourth. fourth. That's she right. Took fourth. She took fourth. Right. Yeah, this year I think she like took like 16th or 18th or something. I mean, halfway in the pack, she did okay. You know. Yeah, I so. couldn't find the standings. I know the men's targeted match play on the first day, Jim Belcito won, right? I believe that's correct. I believe so. Yeah. And then I watched the final of the women's, and it was uh, was it, it was Louise, right? I believe so. Yeah, and the wagon, I wagon, find, sir. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't find the list of of the winners, but I do know one of the winners brought the hardware home to Reno, and a spinner, the spinner is lit pinball podcast. Our own Mark Scoff. Yeah, man. Congrats again. Thank you uh, so much. That was. Uh, quite a competition i'll tell you and so, so uh, i'll just give be us a rundown you. of of your pinball experience okay well, first experience. of all Let's put it that way first of all uh just to sum it up i was able to qualify and i did win the b division also known as the novice uh in first place whoop, whoop. so yep yeah, that was quite a win, Mark. I mean, that was quite impressive. And I'm going to post pictures again on the, the Facebook page so you can see Mark and his trophy and some other pictures of us playing pinball together. Uh, and, yep. you know, Dan and Will, all of us, I'll post some pictures of all of us. I got a few of that. Yep. So, yeah, so it, on my trophy, it says B Division. But when it was listed on the Never Drains, it 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 was considered the Novice Division, which is – what, basically, the way it works is you have the top 24 players played 
uh, in the A division. And then there were 16 below that that could qualify for novice. And to tell you in, in a nutshell, basically, I was not able to be there Friday. So I had no time to be able to qualify during Friday to get some games in. So I pretty much my objective was to try to get as many games as I could in the day I had for Saturday, knowing that the tournament for the playoffs would be on Sunday. So here I am. I'm going to go and say, all right, I'm going to have to get 20 entries for sure to at least try to do something. And one of the games that was in the lineup was one that I own, which was Hot Wheels. Uh-oh. So that made me happy. That made me happy. Then I saw a couple other games that I remember playing when I was over at Mike's house, such as Genesis was a good one. And I know Godzilla's was Shannon's, and I played that before. But then as I looked closely at the play field, I realized they weren't the same games that I played when I was over at their house. It was set on super duper impossible mode, (laughs) if you want to call it that. It was so hard to keep the ball in play because basically if you missed a shot, you're dead. It either went in the out lane or it went straight down the middle. So I had to really definitely change up my gameplay. So the games I played, and I'll kind of go through it because I do have it in front of me. The one that I love the most, and it's always in the tournament, is Joker Poker. I just wanted to play it because I love that game. I love all the drop targets. I love the rules. I love how it shoots. So yeah, I saw that one. It's that so tough. Everyone fun. has a puncher's chance at it. I know. Like If you can hit the drop targets in order, you're going to run up a big score. So a real smart play. Exactly. And that's what I was thinking. That was kind of a level playing field type of game. It's like, okay, that one, it's pretty much somebody can shoot way above there but most of them were kind of scores were close together so there was a chance to be able to get a lot of points for that if i did really well on it um the other game i really enjoyed that i saw and these are all things that i was just spying out before i even started getting into the actual play rack them up is another good one and really the idea with that one is to try to get the pop bumpers to hit so that the lit spinner, <laughs> spinner is lit, hey oh, you could just totally crank that one and it would really help you with points. The problem is the way they design the game, it rarely falls on that insert to have the spinner lit. Yep. And it's clever because it's like all you have to do is you just have to hit that left stand up target and then it will allow me to get a shot at hitting the spinner because then it will be, I think, is it a thousand points per spin? It's, it's a lot. I mean, it can really jack up your score. Yeah. You can, you can push 80, hundred thousand. If you really get a good rip or two. Exactly. On that the only problem get is, it lit. <laughs> is hitting that damn target. Cause yeah. I missed it almost every time. And if you miss it, goodbye ball. That game has never history. been kind to me in competition. So it's great so job. hard, but I love playing it. That was a great one. Um, the other one that I enjoyed uh, or that I looked at spying it out um, was Genesis. Yeah. Just because I like the rule set of how you have to form all the body parts. The problem was it was not easy to shoot up those ramps nope. because once you, once you tried to aim for them and you were off just by a little bit, you better start getting control of that ball because before you know it, it's straight down. It's the gone. 
it's gone. A, a side yeah. note to that gen, that particular Genesis, that had the clear ramps, right? It had the clear ramps. Okay, that was Todd's Genesis. That was Todd's Genesis. That was Todd's okay. Genesis. Uh, after he passed, uh, it was purchased by Cheddar. Yep, um, Eric, Eric brought it, tuned it up, you know, made it available for us. So, you know, a big thanks. Yeah. Okay, so that was not Mike's Genesis. Nope, Mike's Genesis no. was at Mike's house. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Because you had said, "Hey, this plays different." I don't think the same one, and that's and that and then and that's back, why it played different. The, the last okay. time I ever got to see Todd, we played that game together because that was my favorite game in his house to play. I just love playing his. It's the nicest one I've ever seen. And it's a fun game, like I said, putting together the parts of the robot. And I, because he would mostly watch other people play, but I got him to play a couple of games with me. And that was just before I moved. Another game that was making me feel like I had confidence in myself was Laser Keel. Now, Laser Keel, I'm used to it being the way it's designed. Unfortunately, it was definitely modified to make it a lot more difficult. Yeah, One of the that things- laser cue had been experimented <laughs> on by monsters. Yes. <laughs> you couldn't say it better, Dan. That's exactly right. They removed the bar, so it turned into being scissor flippers. So basically, if you hold the flipper up, you're going to drain the ball. So it had a feel kind of like Paragon. But then it had a really hard mode where you had to hit the targets in order and if you miss them they reset back to one so you had to go one two three four hit and without any hitting any other ones and if you missed it it would reset back to one so trying to fill a rack good luck it really took a lot of skill and of course the outlanes were huge not an easy game. Yeah, and hitting those those drops in order was like the only way to make that freaking game make points. Exactly. Like it and was, I got up to nine. It was that was the highest I got. Yeah, it was so difficult, but what a great way to make the queue lines fast. And that's the one thing. There's a trade-off. You play brutal games, but the queue lines were super short. I mean, literally, I don't think I waited more than two people ahead of me on every single game. So it was wonderful to be able to get 20 games in, <laughs> which is what I had for my entries. I had 10 and then I, had, I, I was like, well, I got to get another $20 worth. So I got another 10. And um, Attack from Mars was another one, which we all are familiar with. But it was set up really hard. And then they had to pull it later on in the tournament because the cliffy fell through the play field and caused the targets to short out to just to open up the force field or the uh i don't know what you call that but anyway it's yeah, the thing the drop, that has to the, lower the down. drop bank yeah the drop bank right exactly so that was out you'll be happy um, to know that it's running again mike took it oh, right good. home got it figured out good good deal it was just a fuse no, it had a short. He had to replace some stuff, but Mike's okay. Mike's uh, Mike's a good pinball tech. But yeah, I'm, uh, Mike uh, Garcia, who who graciously brought that, and he brought his World Cup soccer, which was the one in the tournament bank. Yeah, turn, World Cup soccer lost the gate too, but World Cup soccer was that played pretty fair. It, However, it as like we the all most know, fair to me, it, it still had a ball yep. saver. And that's a game where, like, the outlane, the outlane game, you know, you have a ball saver and you have a kickback. So the outlane game on that game is vicious no matter what. If you get it on the 
right side, but the left side, at least you had a save. That soccer ball, though, was so grippy. Oh, my gosh. That soccer ball really kicked the ball it around. Was, yeah, it, was so, it was so random and so It was like a brand new one was, in there. It was ripping the game apart, but, yeah, it, it, it survived. It, it, it tossed it around. And then the other thing is that final draw scoop. Oh, my gosh. One of the most deceptively evil shots in pinball. Oh, tell me about it. And it was equal to that game. Very hard to hit. Now, I had a good game on it. And then, of course, the, the score got wasted later on uh, in the evening. The other game I really enjoyed was Robo War. That's just a fun game. But it was difficult to shoot up that left ramp because the flipper power was not up to par as I was hoping. So I hit that thing and nailed it, and I still couldn't get it all the way over and lock the ball until they fixed it later on. Then I was able to do it. Um, but that was uh, pretty much all I was, all I was trying to do is to try to get multi-ball to start and then shoot for the different shots to, to try to gain points, keeping the balls alive. But that was pretty much all I did for that. And then, of course, there was Hot Wheels, and I played a few games of that. So as far as how I did during the qualifying, I did fairly well. I did good on Joker Poker. I was able to hit the targets in order, so I went for the 10, and then I went for the queens and then the kings and all that stuff to try to build up that five-time bonus. And that turned out really well. I, I scored a, a little over 300,000. Didn't realize that that was a good score. I thought it was people are going to waste it. But in reality, that, that turned out pretty good. Uh, and that got me kind of uh, three quarters of the way up for points. So that was nice. Um, Attack from Mars, I, I didn't do too well on that one. So that was kind of out. Iron Man was another one that I didn't mention, but I'm going to mention it now. I thought mm, that might be a good one to just play to make it because it's brutally for hard for everybody. So I thought, yeah, maybe I have a chance in that. Ah, that was a big mistake. That game just destroyed me, literally destroyed me. So I was like, okay, that one's not going to work for points. Uh, Robo War was good because I did get a multi-ball started uh, towards the end of my game. Uh, when I played it, I think the last time. But the one that I didn't play yet, realizing that I was still out of the running for qualifying, was Congo. And I, it, and it was Mike's, right? It was Mike's Congo? Yeah, and I've never sure. had a good game on it. And I actually kind of like that game. Michael set up brutal. So See, I think Mike's Congo is like one of the... One of his kinder games. I've I've almost consistently had good games on Congo in competition. Have you really? Because I ne- I've only played his maybe oh gosh maybe three or four games, but every time I played it, I I, I just can't get. You've had nights like this. I know where a game like this where you just, you just can't get any traction. You just and have to every, play it, and you have to learn where the shots are. So that and that's it. I don't have a lot of time, and I really really want to like that game, and I've never seen the movie. Yeah, so Congo was one of the games that I didn't play yet. And I was in the spot where I was close. I mean, I'm looking at my scores right here, so I can just go over it real quick. Hot Wheels, I did pretty well. I got 343 million, which was, I guess, good for everybody compared to everybody else and because it was set up so hard. So I got 78 points for that. Joker Poker, I mean, I, actually, let me correct myself. I, I scored 178,890. Uh, that still gave me 59 points. And then Laser Q, I did okay, mediocre. 
So really I was kind of out of the running. So I was like, well, I got one thing left on my, on my entries. And this was where I'm getting to about 18, 19. And I was like, okay, I've never played Congo before. Let me play that one. And I played the game on it and I was crushing it. I was playing it. And it felt like you said, Dan, it felt like the easiest game out of the whole lineup. It just, I was in the zone and I was shooting it and I was pretty much just spelling map. I started multi-ball, I think three or four times on it. And I had a killer score of 2 billion points, over 2 billion, which got me the number one spot with 100 points. And that got me to qualify for the novice division or B division. Boom. And that did it. That sealed the deal. Now, the thing is, it was getting late. It was getting about dinner time. And I was ready to just say, oh, man, I'm, I got to eat something. I wasn't in the mood for the concession stuff. So we went to go out. Actually drove a little bit out to go to Straw Hat Pizza. Just because I was in the mood for pizza and it was open. And I was thinking, oh, man, was that a stupid move? Because I'm thinking people are going to catch up. Because what happens with these best game formats is always towards the end, somebody will pass you up and you get pushed further and further down the list. So I was watching and I was like, I think I was like three below the A qualifying. And I kept dropping down. I'm like, "Uh oh. And as I was eating dinner, I was like, oh, I made a big mistake. It's like, we got to get back and I got to get those 10 more entries because I only had 20. And I was thinking, should I pay it, pay another 10 entries for it? And I'm like, eh, I'm just going to go to dinner. So I kept dropping down and down. I was like, oh, I'm going to be out. And I looked at the time <laughs> and it was about 930 at night. And I was like, well, there's only a half hour left. Is anyone, If anyone beats my Congo score, then that's going to be it for me. And nobody beat it. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. But I'm going to pull it off. So I ended up in 14th in the in the B division. Uh, so that would be really close to being cut off from the novice finals. And right, you're just, uh, you're I, just I sneaking up. into the, the, I just the bottom of the, of the competition. Yep. I sneaked in with 343 points and it was able to qualify. One thing that you have to realize though, based on how you finish, you don't get the advantage of place or choosing a game when you're down on the bottom of the list. So uh, I was thrilled. I was excited. And I knew that Congo was the one that saved the day. Because if I did not hit that number one score, I would not be having 343 points right now. Uh, I would probably have way less and I would have not made it. So I was thrilled. And because I couldn't leave the party atmosphere, I had to play stall ball Saturday night. And I had to play Tiltalica. The only problem is, I played till Talica till about 3.30 in the morning thinking I should have got sleep. But I was thinking, I have too much fun. When am I going to have to do this, have the time to do this again with all these cool people around us and just having a party atmosphere? So I must be honest, when you're sleeping, you're not practicing pinball. That's true. You're just getting them skills nice and sharp. Good point. You have a good point there. Um, So anyway, finally, uh, I knew I had to be there on time for the tournament on Sunday. And then it was 16 people with the two people uh, in each bracket moving on. Yeah, because you guys started playing around 11 o'clock, right? That's right. We played you're around on, You're on maybe five hours of sleep. Yeah, pretty much. I was like four hours of sleep because I was so excited uh, for the next day. And then finally, I could wind down and fell asleep. 
Um, but yeah, I was a little on the tired side when I woke up and I was thinking, okay, I'm not going to let this lack of sleep mess up my concentration. So, uh, we finally played and we had uh, the top 16 and some of these people I've heard of before, like Raymond Ashby. I looked at his rating. I was like, Oh, he's definitely in the top 500. Uh, Luis was also in the top 500. So there's a lot of people that I was looking at Zach Wallens. This wasn't a novice division. In my opinion, it was like some major heavy hitters. There were a couple people that were new to it and weren't uh, ranked as high in the, uh, if, uh, rankings but a lot were and i was like this is gonna be tough especially when i saw Luis, because i always i remember playing against her when we were over at mike's uh, when he had his tournament she's a good player i never got to pick a game and all i was looking at was when is somebody gonna pick hot wheels and the other thing that came to mind was if i do get to pick the game if people just pick place and then i have to be the last person to pick a game when should i pick hot wheels well, long story short, I'm not going to go through every single game I played because you could look that up if you went to the uh, Never Drains for GSPF. I finally made it through all the rounds. The last game of the official round to get into the finals was Hot Wheels. Yeah, just, just the right time. And I was thinking, I cannot screw this up. I don't care how hard it's set. I don't care how many shots I have to make that's more than what I have set on my game. I cannot make a fool of myself and screw up on this game because I know I own this game. Fortunately, uh, I did pull it off. And uh, if I look, I can't remember. I think I got first on that, but I can double check. But that was a game that sealed the deal to get me into the finals. And ironically, it was the one I would have picked as the last game if I had a chance to pick a game. And it ended up that I made it into the finals. One of them was Nick Fitzpatrick. And I remember Nick. I remember he was just a little kid and we played pin golf when it was at Pinagogo. And he was with his father, Mark. I didn't really didn't even recognize him until I saw his name. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're Nick. He was in the finals with me. And it was pretty awesome to see that uh, I did not screw up on Hot Wheels and I made it. Now, the interesting thing was our points tied because we played three games per round. So it was intense and it was a 4-2-1-0 scoring. And what was interesting about it is we tied for first and we had to play to determine who would get first or second. And out of all the games that I knew what was going to be picked, which I did not want to be picked, it was Genesis. All I was thinking to myself was, I'm screwed <laughs> because this game was brutal. And ironically, Nick felt the same way. So this was our tiebreaker match to determine who would get first and second place. Well, we played it and I did not have a good first ball at all. It was pretty much a house ball. Shot up the ramp, didn't make it all the way up, down the middle, done. Well, I was on my last ball and all I was thinking was, okay, I got to get something started. Couldn't even get multi-ball started. So it was maybe about 300,000, I think it all it was. And Nick was the last person up because he obviously wanted to pick being second. And all I was doing was sitting in the back, freaking out like he's going to pass me up easily. Well, it ended up that he did not. And he lost by 100,000 points. And I was able to take the trophy home for B Division. Nice. 
Um, interesting. Yeah, it, was just, it was really exciting. It was really exciting. And it was very stressful at the same time because it's like, I have a shot here. I can actually take home a trophy and not only just take it home a trophy, but maybe even win this. And what was interesting as I was playing is that maybe it was helpful that I was tired because I was very relaxed. And one thing that I did that I did not do even today in our tournament in Reno was let the ball bounce dead flip. Let it just bounce off of it and wait and don't just shoot right away, but wait, think about the shot and then shoot for it. That helped me win because I was keeping control of the ball and not flailing the damn flippers because that's what I do when I get nervous. So being tired, I think made me a little more relaxed and I didn't feel that pressure and that anxiety that I was going to flub the ball and drain it. I just kind of relaxed and watched every time that ball came back, where was it going to hit the flipper? Okay, now what do I need to set up? And the good news is I knew most of the games, so I knew the rules. But that's what helped me win was taking my time. And I think when you get to be more experienced with playing tournaments, you realize that you don't need to rush a shot. You just need to think, stop and think and go for the best shot that will get you the most points. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that I think was a great observation. I was lucky enough to not be on the stream and, you know, to watch your final. And, you know, you just really seem to just stay poised. I mean, I know you're a competitor, you know, and, and you, you, you know, you play in a lot of tournaments and whatnot for, for tennis. And I'm sure that that served you well here because, you know, you never lost your composure. You never, you know, seemed to, to, to sweat. You just, you know, when you weren't playing, you sat down, you watched the other games and, and yeah, it was really exciting to, to watch you take it. And uh, I'm super happy for you. And you know what was great too is how everybody was so supportive too in in my in my competition while I was playing and also uh, I, I was cheering on Ted. Ted made it into the uh, in the A division, yeah, and he was cheering me on in the novice division. It was really cool. All all my friends were just like, "Oh man, you can do this, Mark. You can do this." And when when I won, it was really a great accomplishment, and uh, it was awesome to see everybody congratulate me. And yeah, I know it was B division, but. It was okay. Hey, you I know mean, what? I, 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 would, I would hang. I would hang my hat on that. That that's great, man. Uh, we had a few people, uh, locals, make it into A. Uh, Rick Demmel did, which is one of the reasons I had to learn to use the streaming software. Uh, <laughs> Alex Lambert did, and uh, Damien did as well. None of them went all the way, unfortunately. Uh, although Alex made it up to eleventh. Alex, I think, had the most exciting ball of the tournament, which is on the stream if, if you want to go back onto Twitch and watch it. But he hung 15 million points on that Genesis. Oh, I know. And I mean, people people were doing 500,000 so points, and that was a good score. And Alex just completely took that game over and just ran over it. It was blew it up. Awesome. Blew it up. I know. It Alex was, it was like awesome. your game of Hot Wheels, where it's like yep. when Hot Wheels came up late, and I was all like, oh, this couldn't be more perfect. I really wish that had been on the stream. But uh yeah, Alex just, you know, he was he he really ran through that first round. 
you know, Rick, Rick and Damien both had tough days. I mean, you know, qualifying for a is a big accomplishment and, uh, you know, the competition was great. You know, the games were fierce. Uh, the people were, were great players. It's, is it Slavacek? Jack Slavacek, I believe is his name. He took first and he was kind of Alex's nemesis. Uh, so Alex, you know, I'm sure if you get beat, it's great to be beat by the best. Um, you know, so congratulations uh, to him. It was Jack. Uh, Brian O'Neill was second. Uh, Gabe DeSilveria was third. And Scott Macias was fourth. Watching those guys play on, on stream, those guys had such such great ball control. Uh, they, they knew their rules. They knew what to do. They, they knew how to manage their risk. And uh, they made clutch shots. And, you know, pinball's not, you know, pinball is a random game. It's not always kind, but it was, it was a, a masterclass to see these guys play. And I mean, I know we can, you know, see, you know, the Keith Elwins and whatnot of the world, you know, we can watch replays and, you know, we got Bowen Karens and, you know, we can always watch those guys play. But when you actually, you're there with those guys playing and you're watching it happen in real time, it's just, it's amazing to see, you know, I mean, they'll get their bad beats, they'll get their bad drains, their bad bounces. The ball will will betray them, but it's just amazing to see how these guys control the game. And uh, you know, they 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 went deep and they won. So you know, congratulations yeah. to all of the winners. And you know, again, humongous props to everyone who came and competed, and to everybody who uh, who made the tournament happen. It was it was an amazing amazing achievement, I think, for the show. And that's the one thing, too. When you play in the tournament, you do lose out on time playing in the main showroom and, and hanging out with people because you are dedicated to spending most of your time in the tournament. I feel good that I didn't feel like I wasted time playing the tournament because I was able to make it into the finals. So it was awesome. But I'm sure if I didn't make it, I'd be in the showroom playing the games. Um, but it is a commitment. It is yeah. definitely a commitment. And it does sometimes take the fun out of of the other things you can do but if you can do the after midnight type stuff then it kind of makes up for it and that's why i stayed so late when we played the tiltalica because uh i still wanted to experience that 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 fun atmosphere beyond just being in a tournament room the all all day and the other thing i want to say too is uh mike did a good job on adjusting the tilts i thought they were very fair i didn't think they were as tight as uh, what we're used to. They were, you could actually shake the machine a little bit and it didn't tilt right away. There were a couple that tilted easily, but for the most part, I thought it was pretty fair how they were set up. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of people tilting out. Like I said, it was no. just a lot of outlanes. A lot of outlanes. <laughs> hungry, hungry outlanes. Hungry, yeah. Oh, the, the hungry, lanes, hungry they were outlanes. They, were, yeah, they exactly. had no posts. They was hungry. Exactly. And I mean, you know, and I think that that, you know, kind of sums the whole show experience. I mean, you know, there was there was something for everybody, you know, whether it be rare games, whether it be new games, whether it be after hours fun, um, you know, uh, the show, you know, I think went off. I mean, you know, it's to, to all the organizers, to the to the Seths and, and the Henrys and, and everybody who we can't possibly name here. I know, you know, yeah, Cheddar, of course, Eric Neff, you know, Chris Bannister. I know that like it's a roller coaster ride. You get to one o'clock on Friday and the doors open and people start coming in. And then it's just like, okay, you know, we've done everything that we can do 
Now it's up to all the people who come to the show to have a great job, a great time and to bring the attitude, to bring the atmosphere, to, to bring the fun. And, you know, everybody who came to this show this year, I just, I don't think I saw one person who I thought was having a bad time outside of some of the people who didn't win in the tournament. There were a couple salty people, but I mean, I don't think that anybody walked yeah. out of that show uh, disappointed or unhappy. Everybody just seems so enthusiastic, so happy to be there. The The facility was accommodating. You know, we did have some drama with power, but I think that all in all, once the show started, you know, the volunteers uh, all stepped up. William was a volunteer for several shifts. I was a volunteer, obviously. Spencer spent some time. It's definitely something I'm going to do more next show. Yeah, um, they, I want to do that they, next year when I can be there all four days. Yeah, they, they, but, make, yeah. they make the thing happen. Uh, huge shout out to the people who schlepped games in and out. It's it's the most thankless job and it's the most important job. Those guys, you know, the Adam Holders, the Dan Costas, Shannon, uh, those guys are are heroes. Uh, I've I've done it to say that I've done it to you know to to make my bones. It's hard. Oh, you, know, yeah, it's hard. you start yeah. early, you finish late. You know, every game has to come from somewhere, and at the end of the show, it has to go back there. Right. It's it's an amazing undertaking by a dedicated group of people who want nothing more than for us to have a good time. And, and on top uh, of that, they had two people go home with pinball machines. We had a rush and we had a space oh, yeah, shuttle that went home. People won games. From the raffle. They won games. Not just a t-shirt. They won a, a pinball machine. Yeah, a new 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 rush pro unboxed at the show. New Rush Pro and, and, a, and really, a beautiful, really and that beautiful, was donated by the Pirates. Right? I yeah. think so. Yeah, it was. It was donated by. And then, uh, if I understand correctly, the space shuttle was donated by Steve Faith. Yeah, a nice plane space shuttle too. Oh, and beautiful, beautiful. nice original <laughs> condition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Son. So yeah, yeah, man. Just if if you're in Northern California or adjacent, or even if you don't mind traveling in. I mean, I haven't been to Texas. I haven't been to Chicago. You know, I've been to all the shows in California. Uh, I've been to Washington. Every pinball show is good. No, they're That's all right. different you in know, their own ways, you know? Yeah, they all they have, have their thing. They all have their vibe. They all have their thing. I think that our thing is a thing that you can't get anywhere else. And yeah, if you don't, if, if you could come to it and you don't, you're missing out. And that's what I have to say. Yeah, the way I can sum up Golden State Pinball Festival, it has a cool vibe. That's it. Everybody is just, it, everybody just wants to hang out with each other. And it is just, it's the best experience and it's the best feeling to, to be a part of a huge family. And that's what it is. Yeah. Like, there's no other way to say it. For, it's, for, it's, it's the best vibe. Yeah, man. For those three days, um, like it, the world inside of our defense, it's a show. The world works the way we all think it actually should. Well, I am, uh, I'm just looking forward to next year now. I mean, you know, show's over. It goes so darn quick. Uh, you know, some, sometimes I feel like, you know, it, it, it should last longer, but, uh, you know, not everybody could show up for a week worth of, uh, pinball shenanigans. Yep. I'm looking forward to next year already. Um, 
I am and I'm not only because of the travel. It really took a lot out of me and Rusty this time. So, but we'll we'll work on that. We'll figure out something. You know, you, may- you guys just need to switch up a couple of things. You know, um, so you're not putting yourself through. Uh, you know, so much just to just to get yeah, here. We need to we need to camp out a couple extra nights, like not trying to make it drive one day. Have you guys heard of these things called airplanes? Uh, yeah, well, if it's just me and Rusty, that's one thing. If it's me if and you, Rusty and the kids, that gets expensive. To the show, instead of taking oh, wow. like two days, it only takes two hours, and no, then it takes a whole day. You- <laughs> we just pick you up from the airport. Well, no, yeah, no, you're right, but it's a, the expense and and remember, there's nowhere close out of Casper. You can't take a flight out of Casper. You take a flight out of Casper, and you either go to Denver, and, Denver, yeah, or, or or Salt Lake City, and then uh, well, it, it's your you know, fault for moving to the sticks. Then it, it, it is yet. my fault. I know I got to take <laughs> the heat on that one. So two two quick things I want to point out is one, and and all the kind words of the show and everything, and. Um, everything about this show is all volunteer. Nobody gets a penny, nobody on the board, none of the volunteers. And like Dan said, you know, we start loading games Thursday morning at 7 a.m. when I've done it, when Dan and I have done it together. And, uh, and, and Will, who drove a truck a few years ago, um, cause they don't let me anymore cause I beat up on cars and things, um, <laughs> and stuff. Anyway, um, we, we don't get done till one thirty two two thirty some some people even later the the Monday morning we the second the show closes people start packing up gear and games and delivering back to people's homes and we literally would not get done till one thirty two o'clock in the morning and then a lot of us will go back to work seven eight a.m. Monday morning every penny goes to beyond the operating costs running the building the insurance pay for the teachers and the posters and all that goes to local Kids charities, um, the Boys and Girls Club, uh, the Girls Scouts, Worlds of Wonder, Worlds of Wonder, uh, Dixon Teen Center. There's uh, Worlds of Wonder is the main benefactor now. Now tournament proceeds, I'm told, still go to the Pacific Pinball Museum, which is also a great cause. Um, oh, speaking of the show art, the show art, I want to touch on that real quick. Was done this year by the Urban Aztec. I don't know his real name, but he's an artist. Um, look him up. I had the pleasure of meeting him about three years ago at uh, the comic book convention where we were had a few games and were showcasing the Golden State Pinball Festival. Sweetheart of a guy and a very beautifully gifted, talented artist. What was the name of the guy you were competing against? I'm sorry, I'm, it's getting late. You were going against for uh, the B Division title? It was uh, Nick Fitzpatrick. Nick, thank you. Nick Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Fun side note, fun, trivial the very first Pinagogo I went to, Russ and I competed in the tournament. It was the very first tournament they had ever had in a Pinagogo. First time they're doing it. In the first round, it was me and Rusty as a foursome with Nick and his dad, Mark. Yep. And Nick was like a 10-year-old kid at the time. Yeah. Yep, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow, how things come full. So I, I ran into Nick and his dad. Briefly said hi. Um, I didn't recognize Nick at first, but I recognized Mark because Nick's a full grown adult man with a beard now. Um, so that was a trip. So, yeah, just yeah, a, that's what, yeah, so I didn't recognize him, but yeah, what a great sport, too. What a, yeah, what a great yeah. competitor. Him and his dad both are just he really, he and his dad are just really awesome people. They're, they're, yeah, and they're, it's they're, always great to see them every time when I'm at a show. Yeah, they're always in the tournament. So, um, Oh, and then fun side note, Dan, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, my daughter and son-in-law were playing the games we can get to, and they kept looking at the, the Black Knight 
sort of rates with the top or the premium in the, in the secondary building. And so I said, well, well, let's just go wait in line. They love that. They absolutely love that game. And it was the topper that got their attention. They're like, that is the coolest thing ever. That was it, man. That was uh topper is badass. That top, the game is badass, man. You know, I mean, it's been a few years now, but I, I remember you and me just being like, you know, school kids, man, just so excited we heard about that game and waiting for that game to come out. And I was not, and I'm still not disappointed. I really like that game. It's an ass kicker, but I really like it. And the topper is unbelievable. So, yeah, man. And what else we got? I think we've about covered everything. You know, we we have a really long show, but we're the only podcast that will talk about Golden State Pinball Festival because we were there. Uh, most other ones are... true. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah, so, so if you're listening... You might want to come to this show because it is so worth it. Um, so uh, our poor editor is going to have his work cut out for him tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. But the whole idea behind it is that uh, remember, this is remember, a show Mark, not to miss. for ninety minutes, buddy. Yeah, we're yeah. going to go long. <laughs> and, and you know what? Yeah, Good luck on that. We're That's never, not going to happen. We're never, we're never going to get back to that. Like, no, we're not going to hit ninety. We've done the next three months worth of podcasts. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we could do. We, we could. We could do this as a two-parter. No, uh, you know Once what? Though? Again, we're back and talking about the Golden State Pinball Festival again. <laughs> it's that cool. It's that. It, it is that cool. It is cool. No, it is. You know what? The last show we did, uh, twenty nineteen show, when we did the podcast like a week or so after, just like we're doing now. And I got so many compliments from people, man. I get emails and stuff. People are like, oh my gosh, thank you. It was like being back at the show again. Thank you for taking the time to talk about it. So we go long, we go long. Well, uh, guys, I, we're, 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 we're a long show. So let's close this out. It was such a joy and a treat to be back at the show, period. Um, it was such an even bigger joy and a treat to be back at the show with you guys that I consider my brothers and my family. And although, yes, I love Wyoming and I'm happy to be here. Um, I wish you, I, this is the one thing, man, is I miss the pinball. I miss you guys. That's the sacrifice I've made to live here and have the life we have and, and have rusty, healthy and happy. So, um, and myself as well. Um, so it's been real good for my mental health as well, but we miss Alan and you guys and to see Will and to see everybody, people, you know, practical Steve, shout out to him. He's a board member now. And hey, he does, hey, oh, shout That's out to awesome. Mo. I got to see a Mo side and just, oh my God, I want to mention all of you, but this show will be five hours long to all of you who came up and said, let's get a selfie and gave me a hug and a handshake and thank you. And, you know, God bless every one of you. So, um, um, I, well, we already talked about Mike Minicore. Um, we talked about Sparky. Um, there's two other people I want to give. I gave a shout out to Shannon, which he richly deserves. He was so good to help. Um, the only other one I still have left. Shout out to Vino, um, who's a, a local pinsider and uh, a NorCal guy who always does so much and always says so many kind things about the show. And um, shout out to Andrew Payne, who... Uh, listens to the show regular and always sends kind words. So shout out to you, man. Thank you for all your kind words and emails and encouragement of us doing the crazy little podcast. That's what I have. How about you guys? Got anything? My shout out is to Mike and Damien for running a well-organized tournament. Of course, there's always hiccups along the way, but you handled it really well. Very professional. 
And I had a wonderful time playing it along with everybody else, with all the competitors. So thank you for that. Thank you for the awesome trophies that were made. They're really beautiful. I have it sitting right here on my desk right now. And uh, a lot of effort was put into that. It's really nicely done. And Spencer, thanks for you driving all the way out to Golden State to see everybody and, and have as much fun as we did. Oh, man. Dan, Dan, you too. And I know we didn't have time to talk about it. Thank you for having me come over after you were exhausted. And I had the opportunity to play your most amazing Indy 500. Oh, yeah. We had, we had, little, uh, we had little pin fest afterwards. Awesome. So thanks. Shout out to you. And, uh, and Will, thanks for being on the show, too. Hey, no worries. Uh, I've enjoyed myself. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just want to throw a big thanks to all the volunteers, uh, you know, and all the board members. You know, we can't possibly name you all. And, you know, especially, you know, to everyone who came to the show. I mean, that sounds crazy, but uh, the, people, the people bring the passion and the passion makes, makes the show. Uh, you know, if you brought games, if you brought yourself, if if you snuck over the fence to get in but weren't a jerk once you were inside, I don't even care. Just, you know, thanks a lot for, for coming out and, you know, flipping out with us and, and making it worth the time to do all this. You know, we missed a couple years and, you know, there was a little trepidation. Would we get enough games? Would we get enough people to justify the games? You know, is the power going to hold up? We had to make changes to the venue. There was a lot of drama to bring you guys this show and the fact that it went off smoothly without a hitch or with, you know, without any disastrous hitches. Thanks to the weather for playing along. Just, you know, thank, thank you to everyone who made this show the, the high point of the year. Well, you got any shout outs, buddy? Um, you know what, man? I, I, I would say that uh, I would have to shout out to uh, you, Dan and Shannon, because the, the Tiltacula was just, uh, that was one of the biggest highlights of the entire show, and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for either one of you guys. I can't wait to do that again. But, <laughs> here, but here. of course, I mean, yes, here, you, here. Know, the, you know, the, the, the people that show up, you know, like there wouldn't be a show without the people that showed up uh, to attend. And, of course, everybody that did volunteer, which is something I uh, intend to do a lot more, you know, next year. But everybody that showed up, I guess, I know that sounds, you know, super, you know, broad spectrum, but, uh, you know, it was just so good to see everybody, um, you know, uh, again, after so long, you know, a lot of these folks I hadn't seen since 2019. So it was just really great to see so many, uh, familiar faces out there and, you know, so many new faces. There were a lot of people that, um, this was their first show, their, their first Golden State Pinball Festival. And, um, you know, it was nice to see those those fresh faces too. So, here's to next awesome. year. Heyo! I have to say one Hey-o. thing that the uh, hand dryers were more powerful and they they were much better. And the soap was definitely uh, definitely felt like I was cleaning my hands. <laughs> that was like grade school soap from like 1984. <laughs> that was awesome. Borax. There's a, but it felt it like was, I was cleaning like all the germs off. Like borax. <laughs> That's why we all have eczema now. 20 mule power, man. <laughs> 20 mule team. I'm telling you, they, they need to, we need to rethink a pinball machine like a Maverick or something. It's 20, 20 mule power borax and just bring it to the fucking show. Spencer, um, take us home before I fall asleep on my keyboard, buddy. I hear you, brothers. All right, play pinball. Keep America, America strong. strong.